My name is Jesse. Okay, thank. I'm better. And uh, wow, we had a good. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a minute. We've been taking taking some time to watch some movies, watch do some, some movies, thinking, do some drinking, hang out, holidays, hang out. Yeah, holidays, hang out. And uh, yeah, it's good to be back. And this is gonna be the last the podcast of the year, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. and this is our big big shebang. Uh, our big best of 2022 list. The top 10. And uh, very excited to do this. It's always fun to do this. Revisit movies of the year and what stuck with us throughout the mm-hmm. whole year. What didn't, what, you know, aged badly just in the, in the 12 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Relive yeah, all those good it. and bad it's memories. So fun. Um, and granted, like, the, the list, like, I was looking at, this is laugh, I was looking at, um, because we got this, I think, like, we did this in 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. not 2020, because what fucking movies came out in 2020? Yeah, there was no 2020, There were five yeah. movies that came out in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, 2021, and then now 2022. And even going back to the list that I made in, like, 2018 or mm-hmm. 2019, those movies have changed dramatically on, like, some mm-hmm. of what I had on my list, just because of time. And, like, this hour on my 2019 list was pretty low. And it was, the yeah, time. I remember that. But now, I would put it probably, it would probably be like hot cup, you know, probably, you know, so it's like putting that cues in the same year. Uh, but, Another um, thing is also like seeing movies from those years later on, like movies from 2019 right. that like really, 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 really sick. That was like, oh, well, this obviously is one of the best movies that came out this year, but I right, just didn't right. see it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, right, there, there, yeah, there's some things that you see, yeah, obviously like way later on that you Gonna catch the theaters or for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun to revisit like what I thought, you know, back in the day. I'm sure the next gonna be. I'm just like just looking at the top ten this year. I was just like, there's a few movies on this list that I know if I see again or see twice for the third time, some of these films like. I might like them even better, and then talk to me in oh, five yeah. years and how some of these films like age and how they like sit with me, and you know, like, and so <laughs> this is such a, it's an arbitrary list. These are just movies that we love, okay? Yeah, these are movies that we love, but and, they're very important to us. And too. so the yeah, and the ranking to me doesn't really matter. Uh, so mm-hmm. like, especially this year, because there are a lot of the top ten that could easily be somebody else's number one, and that. Toulouse is a great movie year because it's not like um, that is a crazy thing about 2022 yeah. is that in some years past there's clearly one that's this is the best quality film like there's no question about it and this film I think there For will sure. be a film that will be on the top of both of our lists yeah but yeah, yeah. all the other films are it's not like saying this is the best quality one all the other right. films are so solid in quality yeah I wouldn't be, so good. you know I wouldn't be you know like um, appalled you know if somebody had you know there's so many great things there are so many great news this year and 
all genres. Like, mm-hmm. almost every genre yeah, has, right, like, right. a really great, or even two great films in it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And, uh, you know, the Oscars or the, the nominations will come out on Friday, which should be fucking hilarious. Um, this will be a really, funny. could be a very interesting Oscars. Yes, I it could like. be. It really could be. Um, and, uh, yeah. But before we get into that, we also want to mention, too, that this might be <laughs> the last Thick and Butter podcast that we ever do. Ever. We quit ever. forever. We're sick of this shit. It sucks. It, it breaks my heart a little bit to say that, but at the same time, I think we're going to move on to bigger and better things. We have ideas of what we want to evolve this podcast to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we're, expect- we're not actually quitting. We're not quitting no, no, podcasting. No. I was fibbing. Yeah. I was fibbing around. Yeah, we're not quitting podcasting. No, we're we're gonna make a new one. We have ideas. We'll announce it on our socials and shit like that. Um, I'm Thick and butter about came. It. Thick and butter came from a place of passion when we were in college, but we were in we college and likely in not fully sober. 2018 is when we started this podcast. And listening back to those really old podcasts, we can it's cool because you can tell how much we've learned about podcasting, but you can also tell like how much we've learned about podcasting exactly. by <laughs> listening to the, <laughs> the earlier so ones. Yeah, never, they're not going to go off the internet. They will be on the yeah. internet forever. Um, yeah, I'm not to leave that but, shit. But, but we're really excited to restart with all our yeah. knowledge that we have now, a little bit more polished, a little bit more focused. Also, I think we have focus on like, what we want to do um, mm-hmm. and what we want to what makes us unique and what we want to bring to, you know, you know, you know, to start something new, you know, I can't be doing the same, like, that's one of the craziest things about my brain in general, is I need to be constantly doing something different and mm-hmm. challenging myself in some way, so, um, this Growing is just up. a new, a new thing, this is a juvenile podcast, we're grown up, <laughs> we'll see what we, we maybe we'll do something, babies. Maybe we'll do something with with the thick and butter type of thing, or maybe it will be cap. We're not. We're not. Yeah, no there's idea. no no nothing definite, but we're just moving all yeah. of our podcasting things to new energies. Yeah. We're redirecting our energy. Uh, new concept. I think it's gonna be really fun, and um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. But all right, so let's fucking get into this. Yeah. Excited. So what do you what do you want me to do? I, 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 got you... of, I got a lot of things to say. Let's go through let's go through the honorable mentions first. Okay. And this will be mostly Alex focused, and I'll chime in when I have something to say about a movie I've seen. Alright, I'm gonna I'm just gonna rattle off some things that I love that I think people should see. Perfect. Right. Honorable mentions. The first Here we go. Luna's Daydream, uh Cha Cha Real Smooth, uh Avatar the Way of the Water, X, Pearl, the Menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senior, which um, is the documentary that Robert Downey Jr. made about his father. Is that a Netflix? It's a Netflix documentary. Not a lot of people have seen it. I thought it was uh, really moving and really great and powerful. Cool. I was interested. Uh, the Whale. Um, cr- oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. That's another one I really want to see. Crimes of the Future. This is crazy. This is, I fucking love Crimes of the Future. That's yeah, it's on Honorable's mention. That's a... Hulu movie, check that out. Mad God, I also fucking oh, love yeah. Mad God. Mad That's called really, Shutter. Really cool. Um, all right, and then these are the top. These are the five before my top fifteen. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, 
uh, glass onion, um, mm-hmm. turning red, which is an amazing underrated pick. I can't believe uh, an underrated picture really exists, but turning red is the one. Mm-hmm. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a amazing World War One war film that is streaming on Netflix right now. And just missing the top 15 is The Batman, which is Oh, man, an I, I honestly film. fucking forgot that came out this year. It came out really early in the year. I think it came out, like, February. Yeah. Was that in order? So that was in order Yeah, so of... just missing the top 15 is The Batman. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And Very I like people. The Batman might be the best superhero movie to come out in the last, like, 10 years. Like, it's... It fucking rips. It's so good. It's like yeah, it's, 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 it's really high quality. Yeah, it's, it's a really, detective really noir movie quality. with Batman in it, and it, it took me. I can't believe it took this long for someone to do that. And mm-hmm. um, I'm happy and you've that heard, they did it. You've heard us trash on Marvel about it, not about <laughs> all our gripes about it. So it's cool to see the Batman and have a really yeah. cinematic superhero movie too and it's batman Absolutely. which is always cool yeah it, it also gets you excited for the future of of what that reads and bob Paxson will do with the character and, and whatever they're gonna do with just the universe of dc in general you know it's a really good mm-hmm. stepping stone because it's it's a, a different take on batman it's a gritty take it's a um you know it's rooted in classical cinematic language so mm-hmm. I think that's why it appeals so much to me and, and people who, you know, love that type of filmmaking. And, you know, I don't know in the grand scheme of things, like, I think people like it a lot, but I don't really know if, like, it's um, celebrated, like, I don't know if it's going to be celebrated like uh, other superhero movies, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. it's just because it's more of a realistic, grounded film. I don't know. But I think it's fucking great. Um, yeah, it's amazing. interesting. It is. It is interesting how we've got the culture has kind of received it because there's been like, there's been no. I haven't seen people like shit on it or not no, really no, like no, it. No, it's no, not no, been divisive. No. It's just been supportive. But it hasn't really like gripped in the way that like Nolan's Batman yeah, it, has. Yeah, Even right, though right. I think it's still like just yeah. as a lot of it is like just as good and maybe even cooler I mean, than I some think of the it, I think the Batman is better than Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises and then, and then you can maybe have the I kind of agree with that you can have the argument I think I do agree with that be, I don't know like I think I like the Dark Knight. I think I like the Dark Knight more than the Batman. But I think I agree with the Batman. I think it's I like Batman better than Batman Begins. Absolutely. So well, there's a there's a trilogy. It's it's already it's off to a great start. So so maybe the second one will be like the Dark Knight. We'll see. Exactly. Um, Well, now it's time for the top ten. Yeah, I mean, I have the you want I have the top fifteen. So I have five, I have five more before the top ten. <laughs> oh, yeah, five more. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. So let's hear the so five more were, that get into the top fiend. These were, like, painful. Like, this was hard. Like, seriously, yeah. like, the, like, the top 15 for me was so hard to make. Mm-hmm. And with 15, I just compromised Barbarian. Um, mm-hmm. That's a horror movie of the year. Dude, you're, your top ten, I'm so curious to see yeah, what your top ten is going to be. it's really wild. Uh, but Barbarian... It was my favorite horror movie of the year. If you don't count this other movie as a horror movie, but um, this movie is so tight. It uh, moves so fast, and it's like it's like it brought me back to this type of horror that I love so much, which is kind of like this um, 
Apocalypse fun vibe. You know, there are a lot of horror movies this year that have been written about with Axe and Pearl and Nope and mm-hmm. these things that kind of are, are taking the, what was cool about the 2010s horror, like this elevated horror uh, trend that was going on, and almost like it's evolving back into like, you know, almost like gonzo and like fun like horror movies, but it's also still being injected with that elevated horror spirit. Yeah, it feels really like exciting. the fun. It feels like it has the same kind of fun that a slasher movie has, right? While, it, but but the not, elevated stuff. But it's actually you know with a with a brain. You know? Yeah, it's cerebral yeah, for yeah, sure. With, with, with a with something to say, which is mm-hmm, like you know fantastic sure. and like it's so exciting to see that. You know, I I'm been a fan of horror forever and. To see the that elevated, which you know, I like that style obviously, but I think it, it's just so exciting that we, we are coming back to like what I fell in love with horror in the first place, which is like a roller coaster ride. You know, I don't want to watch Hereditaries every week. You know, if mm-hmm. I'm watching a horror movie, that I think I would just be a different human being. It's that dark and depraved, but yeah. you know, something like Barbarian, which is very dark and very depraved. But it's silly and fun and knows what it is and has, you know, um, fun with the genre that it's in. While also mm-hmm. saying some really, really good things. Um, and, um, yeah, I love it. It's great. It's one of my favorite theater experiences, too, because I hadn't seen a trailer. A po- I, I didn't even, I barely saw a poster. I walked by it at the movie theater. So I had yeah. no idea what I was seeing. And I was, um, I was so amazed at just the crack of filmmaking that I got. You know, it's such oh, a yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's 15. 15? Yeah. And then 14 is a movie called uh, Bones and All. Uh, yeah, I wish I Lu- saw that one, Luca, too. Luca Guadalino, who I'm a big fan of, the Suspiria remake, and Paul Weirman, uh filmmaker. This is a weird fucking movie. And this is like... I'm describing it to people as, like, a horror romance um, where it's basically about two young cannibals who fall in love and go on a road trip. And, awesome. So and awesome. So <laughs> eat people along the way and falling in love in the process. Um, and there's something, the thesis of this movie is so beyond disgusting and gross and depraved and kind of beautiful, you know? Um, and... It's a really just, it has that, what was so great about the Suspiria remake, it's like uh, the gore, the like shocking nature mm-hmm. of, of that film. And, also, and it combines also the really like art film, like very like um, meditative romance that Colleen Ironman had combined into one movie. So it's really unique vibe. There's not a lot of films like those at all. Yeah. And it, has one of the most disturbing characters of the year in it. Uh, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Sully haunts my goddamn dreams. <laughs> um, and it's a really, it's a really, really cool movie. I thought it was really interesting, and yeah, I highly recommend if you like Luca Guadagnino's movies. Totally fucking watch it, but yeah, if you are averse to gore in any way, do not watch this film because it will gross you out. Um, but it grossed me out, that's the point of it, but obviously, uh, but yeah, it's such a cool movie, I loved it. 
Oh. That's probably going to be one that I'm going to catch on a later date, and uh, would have probably put somewhere on this Whoa. list. I, I just, I'm just guessing that because it just sounds like a really very cool film movie. that'd be up my alley. Very good. And then thirteen. This this movie is like on a lot of people's top tens. A lot of critics and a lot of people. It didn't hit me as hard as some other people, but uh, Tar. This is um, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Blanchett and Todd Field. Uh, Cockfield made it, and this is a movie that uh, I fucking love. This uh, this is, I think, if I'm being completely honest with you, this is the top five best made movies of 2022. Like, hands down. Without a fucking doubt. Like, that's not even an argument. You can't even argue to me. Like, this movie is so almost perfectly crafted of, like, what it's trying to say and what it wants to do. It is so methodical and, like, uh, smart about how it portrays cancel culture, but also goes way deeper in that than, like, not just, you know, people have described it as, like, a movie about cancel culture, but it's a lot more than that. It's a movie about, like, Mm -hmm. power dynamics. It's a movie about, really, it's a movie about, like, abusing power, you know, and with that comes, you know, repercussions. And this movie is about... Lydia Carr, who's a fictional composer in this art world. And this movie's so well well made that I legitimately thought, like, I'm not kidding you, I left, I thought that this was a real person. Like, I thought, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. Like, I thought this was a real, I thought it was a biopic that I'm watching. Yeah. yeah because yeah. it's so detailed and realistic on how, like, uh, the story plays out with this character, and Kate Blanchett gives a performance of a fucking lifetime. Like, it is... I thought... I It was such a good performance that I thought she was basing it on a real person, because it's right. so nuanced and detailed, and, like, it really feels like a completely three-dimensional character. And this is, you know, if you like character studies, like There Will Be Blood, and and, um, you know, stuff like that. I think you'll fucking love Tar. It is an amazing character study of a um, deeply, deeply flawed human, but also um, a really amazing artist. And there's something so um, so fascinating by it. And one of the funniest last shots I've ever seen in a movie. And funniest? Like, wow. Yes. And it's one of the funniest in terms of, like, um, I don't want to spoil it, but I... I, like, got it immediately, and I busted out laughing in the theater because it is, it's just, it's so brutal uh, what happens to this character and how they, how she ends up is so goddamn funny. And, um, but I love this film. And, like, I know that, like, I think, like, L.A. Times or whatever had this, like, I think it was their favorite movie in 2022. And I could, this is a movie that I completely understand if it is your number one because it's that good. It's just not like type of thing. It's a very slow movie. It's a very purposely. I'm not saying it should speed up at all. If it's not, right. it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work the way that it does. It should be this slow. It's two hours and 45 minutes. It's long. It's very methodical, very archy, very like, it's, it's, everything about it is so meticulously crafted. Just ultimately, it's not something that I'm clamoring to like rewatch and like go and like, you know, it's not really my thing, but I appreciate the fucking shit out of it, and it's such a great movie. 
highly recommend that if you like character studies. Like, holy hell. Yeah, another um, one I'll be checking out yeah, later yeah, definitely, on. Yeah, definitely see that. For sure. And then 11, 12, Puss in Boots in the Last Miss, dude. Woo! It's so good. It's, so, <laughs> it's probably Stupid my favorite good. animated movie of the year. Yeah, it's yeah. my favorite animated Unless you, there's another movie that also has animated elements in it, but it's not a fully animated movie. But Puss in Boots is amazing. This was one of the most surprising movies I've seen all year. And it came in at the last, it was a pleasure beater, you know. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Last, you know, last uh, weeks of the year. And, uh, I uh, we watched that. We watched that like the second yeah, couple <laughs> days of, of the first couple of days of January. Yeah, we went and saw this in the theater together, and it was so awesome. It was so it's such a great movie. And um, coming back to DreamWorks, kind of uh, kind of reminded me of DreamWorks. Well, they're on. They're on. You know, yeah. and they're definitely a competitor to Pixar when they're on, you know, and especially back in the 2000s, they were making the Shreks and the, and the uh, How to Train Your Dragons and, and stuff like that. They've definitely just been more patchy than For Pixar sure, yeah, been. absolutely. And this is a great sign that they might be coming back in a, in a big way because this movie had no right being this good, like, no. because it's a character that obviously I love, but kind of forgotten in a way because Shrek, I mean, Shrek is actually been a Shrek movie in almost 15 years, so it's kind of like um, to bring back the Shrek universe was inevitable, you know, and I think the way that they took Puss in Boots' character, this arrogant character, and basically made a movie that's like a takedown of his character in a lot of ways, and a takedown of like his personality and him having to like deal with death and uh ultimately learning by the end of the film that the life that he's living is all he needs you know and it's just such a beautiful story and the the animation is fucking awesome it's like i'm so down i'm so here hell yeah i'm so here for the spider verse vacation of animated movies because this obviously took a lot of inspiration from Spider-Verse, yes, but not in yes, a way yes. that feels like intergalactic, like that uh, Kid Cudi thing that literally just looks like they made it Spider-Verse. Literally, yeah. it's kind of a joke. I was like, really? God, like, really? Is it, like, I, it looks like you would accidentally click it thinking it is Spider-Verse. Right, right. it looks exactly like it. Yeah, Puss in Boots did a much better job. Much better, that. because really it's, did a it's, really good more, job. it's different styles of animation and how they blend them into it, and Spider-Verse is that too, but if you, this movie made it unique, it felt unique, and it felt stylized to this movie, you know, and I thought the action was and, so And like you amazing. said, it feels, it feels authentic to DreamWorks yeah, still. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a DreamWorks movie, you know, which is uh, really, really awesome, and uh, the villain is fucking so cool and amazing, and this movie also is right up my alley too, because... It's referencing westerns, it's referencing spaghetti westerns, it's referencing a lot of shit that I love. And it's just a really funny movie, a really charming movie, a really beautifully animated movie, and surprisingly really dark. And it's just one of those great animated movies that has, you know, it's so creative and has a great story behind it. You know, just add this to the fucking pile of great fucking movies that, you know, animation just isn't for kids. It's a, it's a medium, you know, it's yeah. for everybody, and um, this is just a great film. And it's so 
great to see like people recognizing that and seeing a lot of memes of, of this movie and people yeah, are getting some buzz. It's, it's cool. really great. And, yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's a really great movie, and I highly recommend everybody, every every single human, to see this movie. Agreed. You will like it. I promise you. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And then this that's is the good. top that's, 10. That's sick. This is the top 10, narrowly, is the North one, which is wow, unbelievable. Dude, what the fuck is your top 10 going to be, I, dude? I, dude, I, it's insane, dude. Holy crap. The, the North one is incredible. It's fucking, it's brutal. It's like, you know, uh, so, again, like, like car, so detailed, so, like, immersive and experienced. Like, Robert Eggers did it, you know, it's exactly what I thought a Robert Eggers big budget, you know, movie out of biking was going to be. It was everything that I wanted it to be. It was everything that, um, should have been, and again, this is a movie that bombed in the theater, but because it's so great, people watch it on VOD, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon Prime bought it, so it actually got, you know, its budget back, and now Robert Andrews making no scrap to, which is fucking badass, and that was like, up in the air, because he didn't know if he would get funding for it, and thank God that this movie ended up being a success for focus because we might not get those crafty and that's something that we need we need no we need robert eggers knows for we really we need do it really really badly we really need it and uh <laughs> yeah I, I i love this movie it's 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 amazing it's i love how strange it is for like a big historical epic but also still being grounded in like what people like about these movies you know it's like a, this perfect balance of experimentation and like period action movie fair it's great mm-hmm. it's amazing love it but yeah crazy that that missed my top 10 barely that was uh, in my I, top 10 for the longest time and then i saw a movie, a, a movie and it probably replaced it so it's like wow it's well hard. i am i'm so so i'm so excited are we ready for the top 10 now yes i'm sorry right. well let's that, that's great that's now i'm like really excited to see what you what you picked um so I'll let me give I'll give you mine first and then we'll bounce back and forth. Yeah. So mine my my ten slot is kind of a I kinda of cheated. It's kind of like a <laughs> dual slot. Uh-huh. It's Pinocchio yeah. and Mad God. Nice. Um yeah. so these are sort of like the two stop motion films yeah. and that I and I think I if I were to choose, I would put Pinocchio right now because really? it really connected with me in terms of the story. Yeah. But Mad God, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. is going to really hit me the more I watch mm-hmm. it. And that's also a very abstract, weird film. And films like that, watching the first time, can be kind of aversive, dissonance, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't quite get it. Even yeah. though I love it, I love the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, my brain, I can still feel my brain processing it to this yeah. day. So yeah. when I see that again, I think that that might totally flip flip for me but pinocchio was uh was a really great film that was really really fun and the animation was just so awesome and it just feels like um like the old school animation that i love like it was imbued in that like the old disney films Mm -hmm. uh almost miyazaki films too yeah i love uh, guillermo's focus on monsters which is my favorite thing when animation focuses on monsters and guillermo just does monsters right he just knows how to do them correctly um and i love how they the focus of pinocchio being a wooden monster boy himself and the story's really heartfelt and there's a lot of really experimental stuff about it the changes that he made to the story was was great 
really strong. And all were really um, added to the story, and it really felt like a, a new version of Pinocchio, you know, not just rehashing the story that we've heard a hundred times, you know. And the ending is a great right, Guillermo yeah. twist on incredible. the Pinocchio story yeah. uh, that makes it just yeah. that much more exciting and fun uh, to watch. Yeah. So that was Pinocchio was a great watch. Mad yeah, God is like like a gift from the universe that something like who who knew that we were ever going to get something like that? And it's it's wild so to see crazy, such an extreme yeah. passion project actually get into it's the grubby so hands of people who love shit like that. Yeah, um, so Mad if you're God into is, is one of the uh, just the first 45 minutes alone, I remember just being like, 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 jaw to the ground. Like, I, yeah. like, I could not believe what this is. I mean, it's such a descent into hell in the stop motion form. It's so cool. That's a movie that I'm really excited to have on Blu-ray and just to put on yeah, to show yeah. people and just, like, have the experience of, like, see this crazy. Because it's, like, one of those things that you only see kind of stop motion stuff like i've only seen stuff like that well, in like the yeah. depth of youtube oh, yeah. and short films and stuff, stuff like that at all, yeah. so to get a feature made by phil tippett like the master of this shit is yeah. unbelievable yeah, it's really wow. really awesome um, so yeah what was it 30 years of the yeah 30 30 years 30 years of crack cranking away on yeah, it you see so every crazy. single second put into that film yeah yeah for sure yeah. So that's my uh, 10. That's my 10. And I would recommend if you God. love that movie to buy it, buy it on Blu-ray and I'm being completely serious because, you know, because that's a center film, who knows what's going to happen to center and some of these new streaming services. So I would snag that while you can. Cause it also, Mad God is hella independent. So it's not going to get it's not gonna get crazy distribution. So, yeah, I that's definitely second, I'm second that. Yeah, um, like I just saw a film on Center recently called Possession that was really, really hard to find for a long time, like long time. And it being on Center was a big, big, big deal in the horror community and people who, you know, follow cult films. You know, it was like this movie had been impossible to watch for years, but now it's being watched by you know a bunch of people, a bunch of people that have always wanted to see it. You know, and so. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, I, I highly recommend to buy that one. If somebody buy it so they can, you know, we got to keep it alive. We can't let it Yeah, put it back disappear. on the internet. We can't let it disappear. And if, we, and if you get a Blu-ray and you get a fan base, we have seen evidence <laughs> that if you can yeah. if you can get into it, then they then things yeah. can come back. These think, films yeah, that have kind of disappeared can come back. So Blu-rays, we, we support Blu-rays. Go buy them. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, especially for movies that are only on streaming. You know, there's yeah. streaming movies that they put on physical, buy them, because streaming might be, it's, I don't know how long streaming will last, and it seems like it's inevitable that it will crumble at some point, so, um, and be replaced for, with whatever it is, you know? Um, okay, that's, I like that a lot. That, My that, 10. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, My 10 is a movie called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Mm-hmm. Which, Another stop motion film. Yeah, it's a hybrid. So it's right. a stop motion film with live action elements. And this is maybe the, the most adorable movie ever made. Uh, <laughs> this is the cutest and most wholesome thing I've seen in like a long time. And this is a film that Jenny Slate and uh, Doug Fleischer Camp made. 
And this is based on a series of YouTube shorts that this uh, show, this like little stop motion show voiced by Jenny Slate. I didn't even know this, but I guess it was a viral hit. You know? Mm-hmm. I never early, saw it either. In the early stages of YouTube. I don't know how I missed that. I mean, yeah, like, I never even heard of it. It was a big hit. It was a big like viral thing in like early stages of YouTube, like twenty ten, you know, like around that time. And what this movie is is like a feature length version of the short films. And it is just it's this beautiful film about um this little show living life, learning about life, learning about human life, learning about what it's what it means to be alive on the, this thing that we call Earth. And how I also was really surprised about this film how because it takes that viral moment, you know, it like as part of the plot of the movie, like Marcel is the, Oh, that's cool. Marcel is, you know, his owner is a character in the movie who's filming it's like a documentary kind of style mm-hmm. and he's filming it and they start po- posting these videos on YouTube to help Marcel find her family on YouTube and it goes viral and there's actually which is kind of like a weird meta thing because the the shorts from my understanding were like as if Marcel was making you know like these videos, like so. Yeah. There's this, uh, yeah. Like it's almost like a documentary about the making of those YouTube shorts. Oh, that's really clever. But that's what I really thought was clever. Really cool about it is he actually says has a lot of things interesting things to say about virality and, and internet fame, and um, it's a lot more nuanced than you'd expect a, a PG movie about a little shell to be, and like. You know, this movie just warmed my heart, made my heart explode, and, like, it's just such a wholesome, quiet, beautiful movie, and it's so cool that A24 picked this up at Sundance and, and distributed it, because it's, it is very much in that, you know, A24, you know, style curation that uh-huh. they're, they've been building their catalog, but it really is a family film. Anybody can see it, anybody, yeah. anyone will love it, and it's cool that A24 is branching out, and, um, you know, making, doing stuff like uh, this, yeah, picking for sure. things up like that, which are which are family films that are truly experimental and creative. You know, and so like uh, I loved it; I thought it was amazing. And, yeah, uh, that's another that's another film that I really regret that I didn't see, and I think that it will. I'm really really excited to watch that. I yeah, think it's so it. it's cool. I, it's the it's such a modern movie. Like, yes. That could only happen in this day and age, where yeah. it, I think it's just so cool that we can have a real a real movie quotation marks mm-hmm. in theaters that's based off of a YouTube concept. You yeah, know, it really goes to yeah. It really go, it makes total sense because like we just have this idea that YouTube is low art and there's yeah. it's not good enough to be made into feature length films, but that's becoming less and less true because we're having these cr- super creative people who are using it as a free mm-hmm. platform to connect directly with their audiences, and it's awesome to see yeah, yeah, yeah. that. That success actually lead onto the right. big screen. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's happening, so cool. It's happening more and more with like you know, um, yeah, like it was interesting about this film. This is actually kind of about YouTube and, and YouTube fame and virality in a way. So it's like it's interesting to see modern films like tackle that subject more because it's just becoming you know to avoid that conversation in 2022 is kind of weird. So you kind of have to, films have yeah. to kind of start 
aggressively things, especially if you're trying to set the modern context. Yeah, we've, you know? it's gotten to a point where we can no longer call TikTok or YouTube just a trend, right. like a passing right. trend for the right. young people. It's right. like, now this is a, a worldwide, wide scale. Yeah. This is going to be in the history books. It's it, changing the world. It's very and, significant. Yeah, it's had that conversation also reminds me of like Glass Onion, too, where that a criticism allowed, because that movie's on Netflix, a lot of dumbass people are seeing it. And, um, a criticism of Glass Onion that I'm seeing is like that it's on, it's too online. Meaning mm. it's like there's a lot of like you know online references or or you know yeah, modern sure. references, which I think is completely lame because to to dismiss first of all you're dismissing even what the movie's about, and I'm not going to get into the super spoilery, but what Glass Onion ends up being like about what Glass Onion is and represents. It's actually important to have those online references and those, um, you know, modern references. It's like weird. It's like people aren't getting upset because the movie is set during COVID and there's one scene where they wear masks. You're like, why? <laughs> so like, dude, this is, are we just going to ignore that this was a reality for three years? I mean, like, what? Like, like in ten years, you're gonna be like, oh, okay, I know when this was set, you know. And sure, you can make an argument that it might not age well, but I don't know. I think um, I don't think people should worry about that. I think it's I think it's just as important to make things about our kind today, you know, comment on what's going on right now. And Marcel yes. Michel does that also. And like, sure, will it age in ten years? Sure, but it, it's still a representative of the time, you know, if yeah. you do it correctly. You know? And, the, you know, and the thing that's that's really interesting about doing modern time, not to go on too much of a tangent about it, but what it sounds like Marcel did really well, what, what's hard about modern times doing it is 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 doing something accurately. Because when you do things right. from the past, yeah. we have a clarity about the past that makes representing it exactly. on film yeah. a little bit easier to do. So taking on the modern era can be kind of challenging yeah, because people are so invested and feel like they understand and it's still so conflicting. So if you come up with a political side, but it's not quite nuanced enough then people are going to get pissed off exactly. you know? and That's COVID's right, yeah. like so yeah. so it's i agree with you i think it's a really important work to yeah. do but it's For hard sure. it's a hard line to walk sure. really hard so it's cool that marcel has found success yeah. in doing that a little bit a little unique film like that and yeah, glass yeah, onion yeah. too i'm excited mm-hmm. to see glass onion i haven't seen that um okay so that was 10 now it's nine yeah um uh, nine was a really fun, unique film that you showed me, and it is RRR. <laughs> yeah, God. Damn. What a great surprise of how good of a movie this is. Because this is definitely like a, uh, like, there's no way around it. This is like a cheesy ass, goofy, yeah, yeah. fucking blockbuster, don't yeah, yeah. take it seriously kind of movie. Yeah. But it's also yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. It's really good. It yeah. kind of, um, it's almost it, it it's it is really goofy, but it almost has like the success of like satirical stuff where yeah. the goofiness like kind of turns around and actually hits me right. emotionally. Yeah. Because I'm so invested in this absurd, crazy, awesome world that mm-hmm. the emotional arc of it resonates with me then. I'm so I get really invested, genuinely invested because yeah. I just like it so right. so much. And it's three hours, and I like mm-hmm. all of it. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was really just like yeah. a, a blast to watch all yeah. the way through it. Yeah. So, um, and fucking Indian film. Yeah. Like so that's crazy so that, cool. Uh, RRR is uh, like at the Golden Globes. You're like, Gaku Gaku, one best original song, and it's uh, 
It's being dominated for it's awesome to see that film break out into American audiences. And um, and I saw an interview with the two stars here, two of the most charismatic people I have ever seen in my goddamn life. Yeah, uh, Rob Sharon and um, his NT Rajagali, I think this is it. But um, they were talking about how you know amazing it is that they um, like they're going to be able to work in America now. You know, That's like so they cool. saw That's they so saw cool. they talked about how they saw America as a place to uh, vacation or holiday. You know, not to they never thought like they could come to Hollywood and make you know a movies, movie. But, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, especially both those guys, you will see them in American movies because they are that charismatic and that fucking powerful of a presence that I think we were introduced to two global movie stars with that film. Not yeah, and it's movie stars, but and it's really global. it's really interesting because it's not like it's not. It, it it really reveals to us, and as we've been learning with Parasite and with other foreign films, yeah, yeah, that yeah. movie stars don't have to be white and American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have these fantastic actors and movies and stories yeah. from people outside of this really yeah. insulated kind of world. Okay. But it took a movie like RRR, which was just you know something timing. It was just really good. It just really yeah. struck a chord with people, right. and it just like it opened that door. And yeah. now that's the same shit that Parasite did. You know, there's yeah. been a bajillion fantastic yeah. fucking yeah. Korean film, yeah. but Parasite did something that none of them did. Yeah. Where like it just it just it just turned the key and it opened the door. Yeah, and RRR, one of those movies. RRR is that movie for me. Now I'm going to get into Bollywood. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. super jazzed to learn about all this now. I uh, yeah, I fucking love RRR. I think it's um, one of the most fun blockbusters I. Ever seen in my life, and I'm being completely mm-hmm. serious. I think it really Most changed, fun, so fun. It changed my fucking mind about what I even want in a blockbuster, um, and what I what is even possible in a blockbuster, and what you can mm-hmm. do. And it made me embarrassed for American blockbusters, to be completely honest with you, because the filmmaking in RRR is, I would say, eon a lot better than a lot of big budget Hollywood films. And it makes them look a little embarrassing now, because especially ones that take themselves so seriously and are concerned with trying to tell, like, a quote-unquote corny story. If you present your story and you believe it, and you sell your emotions and you fucking just, you know, shoot it the right way, have fun with the operatic nature of the story that you're telling, you can fucking, like, like, you know, send your audience to a whole other universe and and really take them on a fucking ride. And And that's what fucking movies are all about. Especially movies like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, Mm -hmm. it just reminded me of, like, man, we gotta get back to this. And, you know, it's a good sign that, you know, Avatar Way of Water, whatever you feel about it, but also, uh, Taco Matter for the two highest-grossing movies of the year, which is nothing good about that, they're not Marvel movies. They're, mm-hmm. they're not superhero movies. The biggest movie in 2022 was not a comic book movie. And that's significant because that's the first time in about 10 years a comic book movie has not been the highest-grossing movie in 2022. Yeah, wow, which is of, crazy. And both those films have that feeling to me where they are these big, you know, corny blockbuster stories, but they both 
are sincere and that they're not they're not shying away of what it is. You know, right. like, I and, think that that is just annoying the goddamn shit out of me. And, and that's and and that that kind of outlines what our problem with Marvel has been because the goal of Marvel is the yeah. same thing as RR, just a fun, yes. great romp. Yes. But the problem with what RR does that I like so much better yeah. is it actually feels like a man trying to make a movie yeah. and not just laziness, just kind of shambling right. something together to sell a product but also, that's like, just been popular and successful. But also, they, they, I mean, the, the, the action, the way that it's filmed, everything about the movie is so well executed and so creative and wild and, and ambitious. Like There's yeah, a lot ambitious. of ambition. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, insane. Like, this easily could have fallen called completely flat, you know? The pressure, especially in India, with this film, was so great. It was like, it's basically like if James Cameron came together and made a movie with, like, Tom Cruise and fucking, like, um, I don't know, Chris Hemsworth or something. It was like, like, it was so highly anticipated, and for it to live up to the hype that it had in India, and also break out into the fucking, I mean, holy shit. Like, that yeah. is so impressive, what that film has been able to do. And, like, I, if it gets, if we see Daku Daku performed on the stage at the Academy Awards. Yes. Yes, yes. I'll be a happy yes. boy. I, I, that'll be the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. And it looks like that might happen. So yeah. uh, that's amazing. So uh, it's a cool – It's been th- uh, this year has been significant for that because we've seen a lot of, like, the first time ever kinds of things yeah. kind of going on. Right. And just – it really feels like after COVID, it's like the world is different now. And this is kind of like the first year right. where it's like the films are representing a difference in, right. like, right. how people are doing. Or, you know, at the maybe 2023 will kind of get complacent and we're just getting, like, this outburst of energy and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But – the thing I think to a degree, the shit that RRR did made an impact that we are going to see in the future I for sure. sure. Hope so. In addition to just being plain old dope, yeah. So that's I, I sure great. Hope so. um, I, I like that movie even more when I talk about yeah, that movie. I like it more, so I really so want to see good. it again. I mean, it's just about the power of friendship, dude. I mean, they're the two best boys I've ever seen, dude. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> so good. So that's my number nine. Good God, movie. Yeah, take forever. All right, number nine. Uh, decision to leave. Park Chan Wook's latest. Fuck. Romance, that's another one I need to see. Romance, the war, <sighs> like fucking uh, just dying fuck of a film. Um, it's one of the best animated movies I've ever seen in my life. So good. Park Chan Wook has gotten so good at making movies that he, I can see people, and I've seen criticism of this movie that I completely agree with, that generally had trouble catching up to the movie. Because ah. he's so good at telling stories, and so good at, like, um, pacing a film to the point where, and he's still giving you so much information, but not, like, jumbled. It's so well, like, told and so snappy, and so much, and, like, such a short amount of time that you can, like, you can get lost in the sauce. Yeah, that makes me feel like uh, how French Dispatch kind of was received, too. Kind of, yeah, a little bit to that. You know, I think, like, Park Chan Wook has just gotten so, you know, he's been making movies for almost 30 years, and he's just gotten so good at it that it's just, like, and also, like, on top of that, this film has a very bizarre and strange story. And so, um... I can totally see someone being completely lost and maybe not getting it, but I would implore you to watch it again, and I'm sure that you will get a lot out of it if you 
didn't get it the first time. But yeah. I loved this one. I thought it was amazing. I it would be higher if like I think the ending was a little flat. Could it like could it mm-hmm. quite get, get to punch. the emotional level of like some of the rest of the film? But this is uh I don't want to get too into the story because it's kind of spoilery, and I and I think the best way to get into this is like not to know. Blind as possible. Yeah. yeah. And all I'll say is it's. This, one of the sexiest movies I've ever seen where there's no sex scene in it. So oh, that's nice. I'll Interesting. Tell you a little bit, I guess. Sexual like, tension. Kind of the, yeah. And sexual tension in the movie. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, but it's, it is really, really uh, infectious and beautiful. And oh my, God, like the cinematography in this movie, it's just like, I don't even know how they're doing certain things. Like, is that a visual effects shot that I'm looking at? Is it like a... Jesus Christ, it's so well shot, well held, well acted, so twist, the twist, the turns, the, you know, it's such a cool noir film. And, like, I highly suggest anybody watch. It's called Movie. This is a kind of a Criterion channel, kind of kind of similar to the Criterion channel. M-U-B-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, a seven-day trial. Check it out there. It's great. Love it. Yeah, Park Chan Park Chan Wook is uh my great. favorite Korean director, I think, and one yeah. of my favorite directors just of all time. Yeah. So that's another movie that I am I beating mean, myself uh, over for not seeing. Get more into his films. Uh, I've only yeah. seen a handful of them. They just put Sickly from Mr. Dungeons and Lady Dungeons, two movies that are really hard to find for a long time. They put them on the Criterion channel, so you can actually watch them now. Watch those. Uh, those are so, great films. Yeah, watch no, those I'm, for I'm sure. very excited to watch those. And I'll watch so, Decision yeah. to Leave. All right, so that was uh, on to number eight. Yeah. Um, my number eight is Puss in Boots, The Last Witch. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. So good. This, I, it, it really, really, really caught me off guard. <laughs> and uh, I felt a little, I had like some, I guess a little bit of embarrassment about it because it feels like a not very cool movie to like, but it's just fucking awesome. Yeah. It's just really fucking good. Well, um, okay, if it's, if it's people who... You haven't seen it if you think it's lame. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's really, it's it's just it's, if it's you just... like animated movies and like, you know, like, uh, and like, if you like Shrek, I mean, like, what, what's not cool about Pussy? I mean, come on. It's just that it's just that Shrek has gotten such a massive meme connotation yeah, to sure. it. And but, it's gotten I mean, like... You know why though, right? Well, like, well, Shrek was like huge. Well, people love <laughs> it's it. in that's the culture. Why, like, people love it. That's why it's still in the culture. Like, people wouldn't keep moving on it if it wasn't loved in some degree, you know. Yeah. So, Puss, Puss in Boots. Uh, when it started, I uh, I heard I heard the hype for it, and it opens with a pretty, in my opinion, pretty mediocre musical sequence, yeah. which I was really, honestly, not that into at all. Yeah. And then after that scene, it has a fight scene well, with a giant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then after the fight scene with the giant, the movie it just yeah starts running and never stops. Yeah. And it's it's a great film because it has this classic story of this man who needs to change his morals. He needs to become a better person, right? It's a moral story. He's you're you're his, an, he's had his last life. Of his you're you're an asshole, and you need to care for other people more than you care for yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We've seen this story a million times before. Yeah. Now, what's unique, and we'll never get a word about this story, yeah. is that Puss actually has a fucking transformation. He's yeah, a different yeah. cat by the yeah. end of the movie, and you believe it, and it and it and it and it, hurt, yeah. it hits you in the heart. Yeah. And this movie tries a bunch of shit. 
yeah. it has a bunch of different elements in it, and yeah. I think all of it works, yeah, all of yeah. it. So I from I, I thought that this the minute I stop I finished this movie, I wanted to see it again. Yeah, um, and I yeah, love great. I just love good animation. It's just yeah. my favorite thing when it when it hits really good. Yeah, and it's I love being surprised like that. And it was just right. one of those things that's like, well, this isn't going to be good. It shouldn't be good. It has no reason to be good, but it is so so good. Well, that's and, what I love about like I think any. You know, that's why I hesitate to even why I hate rock tomatoes, uh, that's why <laughs> it's just expectation will ruin like, you know, it I think that like it's I, I felt the same way walking out of like movies like the Lego movie and and honestly yeah, the Spider Man. Like the Lego movie, Spider-Man. yeah. Spider-Man, I remember when that movie was announced, the animated Spider Man movie. I was like, that sounds like not a, the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard and they are Sony's just fucking milking Spider-Man until they're going to fucking die. And then I saw that movie and I was like, oh, this is the best animated movie in the last maybe 15 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. you never know, like, really, especially with animation, it takes a long time to make it. So if, you know, if they believe in a story like they did with Push and Boots, the, the story that they came up with was so, I mean, Puss and Boots is out of the popular culture. We shouldn't be getting the Puss and Boots movie. Yeah, it, like, yeah, but it's the crazy. the story was so compelling that those people, you know, who are wrote that movie, pitched, like, really you gotta make that movie now, because that is such a great idea for a Puss and Boots movie. It really was, like, a Kind of a perfect idea for a Puss in Boots movie. And it's a, and it's a Pixar-level script. And I'll say Pixar yeah. because of just the – we were talking about how DreamWorks really does have some writing chops. Like oh, they're sure, they're yeah. really – they made some great yeah. fucking films. Yeah. But uh, they it, this really feels like the, the – it has the punch of right. like WALL-E to, right. to me. You know, right, like right. when I finished watching WALL-E, yeah. it's like, wow, that was amazing. And that's how Puss in Boots felt. Yeah. And I was just not prepared for it to be like that at all. And I really – I kind of started – with like a negative expectation of it, not yeah, even a right. neutral. It was like a little bit in the negative yeah, side right. of it, yeah, yeah. and it like yeah. skyrocketed like yeah. throughout the whole film. Yeah. So that was that was just so fun to see, and just another point. Just like you got to go see everything, which is what you're saying. You just got to go see it all and make your yeah, own opinions. Yeah, I mean, you got to go see everything, but also like I mean, all right, that was a great segue to my next film because I got a lot of things to say, and I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna talk about it that much because I could literally talk about this for a long time. Yeah. And I won't. But number eight for me is a movie called Babylon that no one oh, interesting. has fucking seen. No one yeah. has seen this movie. I haven't and seen it. I'm one of those. It's, it's <laughs> it, like, first of all, God, I have so many things to say about this. So, this, is a, this was critically, I wouldn't say pan, but it was a divisive film. This probably has a, I think last time I checked, it was like a 50. Five, fifty-six percent rock tomatoes, fifty percent a critic like it, fifty percent gonna audiences I don't give a fuck. I can care less about what the audience thinks. <laughs> Especially people who vote on uh, I had a conversation with somebody the other day where they said that they only look at the audience score on rock tomatoes. I was like, You listen to those dumb fucking idiots? Okay. Like yeah. people who just spam <laughs> all it is they just spam fucking like why would you trust anything? If you want to see the movie, go fucking see the movie. Like, don't even mm-hmm. look at the... Um, and... <laughs> but what was so crazy when we talking about people with Babylon is that this is Damien Cazelle, who is one of the best filmmakers around right now. Whiplash, La La Land, 
First Man. Those are all great movies. Long yeah. Land and Whiplash being, I don't care what you think of them, two of the most iconic movies of the 2010s. Like, They're fucking great. Easily. They're fucking good. Those movies are iconic. Like They, they just are. And already. And so the fact that a David Suzelle movie bombed this hard and it's lost about a hundred million dollars or something like that. Big, big, big colossal bomb. And after seeing it, I was I loved I loved this film. Like legitimately, I think that this is a great movie. And there's mm-hmm. obviously like I could get you know, I could get really into, like, I, I I think I know why it's such a good film, but I know, like, especially with audiences, like, that, that, the last 20 minutes is, like, I actually could not believe what I was seeing. Like, yeah. the last 10 minutes of this movie is such a big swing that I was, all I could do was stand up and applaud for, like, what he tries to do in this movie, and I think it worked really well. But I can totally see audiences being like, what? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Legitimately. Not even like, I wouldn't even question you if you thought that because it asks a lot of the audience to kind of interpret a lot of things and kind of like, I mean, this is in a lot of ways a fucking experimental big budget movie about like the transition to 1920s to 30s Hollywood. And <laughs> like, it's a really, I think, a. Fucking incredible, incredible experience. It is, it reminds me of, it's basically The Wolf of Wall Street meets Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meets Boogie Nights meets Magnolia. It's like all of these things that I love. Drunk field cinema, uh, high octane, like fucking stick a fucking adrenaline needle to your fucking dick for yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> I, I will be completely fucked up honest. I don't care. The first hour a half of this movie is my favorite movie of the year. The yeah. first hour and a half of this movie is honestly cinematic perfection. It is like, it is like the uh, set pieces on a, an insane level and such a fun, you know, first out the setup of the movie is so amazing and it has a lot of things to say about you know, this time in Hollywood, 1920s Hollywood, which was a debaucherous time. Yeah. And um, it's attempting to parallel um, problems with Hollywood, Hollywood, the Hollywood system, to today. And yeah. there are, I think it does a really, really fantastic job doing that in a much more, like, um, almost, like, nuanced way. I think yeah. one of the things that I think, especially audience members will, you kind of have to... I'm a cinema nerd. Like, mm-hmm. I love history. I love cinema history. And this movie kind of relies on you to know things about, like, the jazz singer and, and okay. movies that, yeah, yeah. Um, like, are important in terms of, like, the transition to sound. And this movie attempts to, you know, span multiple years. It spans, like, five years of three different main characters all representing the rise and fall of, you know, types of rise and falls that can happen in Hollywood, especially in the 20s and, and early to today, and how that all kind of comes together in this 
really nag, nag, nagness. This is a, like, just three-hour and ten-minute movie that is full of, to the brim with amazing sequences in this movie. Some of the best performances of the year. Lana Rodney is fucking electrified. Like, she is, like, a fucking hype bomb in this movie. Like, every fucking scene, she is, like, can't take her eyes off of her. She's, like, just has the, you know, she's a movie star, and she is yeah. just unbelievable in this movie. Brad Pitt gives a really interesting and, like, nuanced and kind of meta performance in this film that I thought was really, really interesting, and especially interesting with coming off a of bullet train that he started this year, and <laughs> yeah, then right. with this film, very <laughs> interesting kind of dichotomy that's happening yeah. there. Um, because his character, he plays a plays Jack Conrad, who is a twenty star, who is um, falling out. Um, you know, with the transition of sound coming, he's you know he can't keep up with it. He can't, and so basically, about a a movie star kind of at the end of the road, and yeah. there's um, this really interesting meta thing going on with Brown Pitt. Because Brown Pitt, he is kind of at the end of his movie star, you know, ring. You know, he's not the star right. that he used to be. You know, but he's still kind of there, but Bullet Train was such a weird movie, and, you know, some people liked it, some people didn't, but it was such a... It's a weird film for him to star in, and because he's trying to stay in the public eye and star right. in movies, so he's right, starring right. in these movies that he never would have starred in, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And so there's yeah. this... Uh, Really meta quality to his character that I thought was so really interesting. interesting. Um, right, I'm going to stop because I could, I could go on for on and on and on because I, I really do think that this is like, I, I fucking love this movie. I, I love this movie so much, I'll tell you this. I went and saw it like a day after he left here. I loved it so much that I went back three days later to go see it. And then it's a three-hour and ten-minute movie. Wow, so you saw it twice. I saw it twice in the span of, like, not even a week. Like, I went, like, I... And I kind of want to see it again. Wow, it's that's just awesome. It just has this infectious, fun, uh, wild uh, swings, man. And, like, a big filmmaker like this, like, taking a $100 million budget and fucking going for it. Just absolutely just not giving a fuck of like what people think what this uh and i know that maybe critics legitimately had a problem with especially there's a, a a character in this movie that is a critic and it's kind of a takedown on their their uh you know their, their job <laughs> their job in in the hollywood system yeah. you know and the best way to describe this movie is that it's a hate letter to hollywood but a love letter to movies. And that's um, kind of the thesis of the movie. And Babylon, if you know anything about what that word means, it's a society that is oppressed. And yeah. uh, if you know that going into the movie, and know the thesis going into the movie, I think you'll have a great time. But like I said, like I'm really, really bummed that this was put out in the Avatar Way of the Waters and the Puss and Boost because I think it got really buried and it sucks. But I, I'm Put it on record right now. I think in five years this will be hailed as an underrated gem, or or yeah. even an underrated masterpiece. You know how things, you know, shape up and how it's reevaluated over the course of years. But I absolutely love it. Please go see it. 
and I think it will be on streaming at some point, and I hope that, you know, people uh, see it then, but um, yeah. I've been listening to the score, Box Out, the score is unbelievable, I mean, maybe the best score of the year, easily. Uh, it's, Fucking sick. Oh my god, dude, it is like, like 1920s jazz, but infused with like, it's like a 1920s jazz band if they're playing house rock like it is <laughs> yeah. fucking and it is throughout the whole film the pulse of the film is just infectious and amazing and if you don't like Wolf of Wall Street or films like Paul Carter Anderson this like kinetic Mark Scorsese this like kinetic you know um wild just like in your face filmmaking you might find this film annoying and you might find it um you know self-indulgent in a way I I want a filmmaker to do that shit. I, I really like when a filmmaker is just in your face and doing creative big set pieces and just having fun with the media of the film. And a lot, that's a lot of what this film is. So uh, I thought it was brilliant. I could go on and on and on about it, but I think it's uh, one of the most underrated movies I've seen in my life. Uh, I couldn't believe how much I liked it. So I was expecting to like go in and be like disappointed by it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because yeah, I yeah. just heard, like, no one talk about it, first of all. And it got, like, you know, misreviewed. And I was just like, what in the fuck are people smoking? I think yeah. it was, I mean, it's bold. It's, I, I get why to listen. It's a bold movie. Yeah. And, um, but I feel like that, a divisive, bold movie that makes you want to talk about it and have discussions about it is fucking awesome. It's such a big budget movie like that. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. But, well, I'm fucking sold. I'm gonna see that yeah, now. I'm yeah, definitely gonna. I'm gonna watch that this week, probably. It's now, insane. that sounds very exciting to it me. Insane. I'm curious <laughs> to see where that, where, where, what will happen with that in the future. Um, I which, think uh, it, I, if you want my full opinion, I think it will be. I think it will be rediscovered. And people, I believe. I would believe it. I mean, based on, I'm really excited to see it, and we'll talk more yeah, about that. Once I see it. who's too iconic as a filmmaker, and he probably will go on to make like even you know bigger and more interesting interesting films you know in the future so like they're like what is this movie that no one saw oh yeah his three hour ten minute epic about old hollywood how did i never see this you know yeah 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 like, yeah start Margaret robbie and brad pitt what the fuck where where was i yeah <laughs> also terrible marketing that's also big big uh big yeah. problem with this a lot of people were very like confused like what this was even um so yeah yeah, I so moving on to my number seven, which kind of connects to this idea of movies that will have a slow burn in yeah. people's interest in them. Uh, my number seven is Crimes of the Future. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. And Crimes <laughs> of the Future, yeah. kind of uh, like Babylon, is not really going to be the type of film that's going to succeed in this modern culture oh, no. of, no. of big of big budget films. No. But it's interesting because I think there's also a mindset where it's like, well, if you don't succeed in like the box office, then what's the point of a movie? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's very a very small mindset to yeah. have around well, what yeah, movies I mean, could it, be. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it makes it makes sense to a degree, yeah. but like when you think about the lifespan of a movie, you know, right. it's like, yeah, you need to get your money back to make more things happen. That makes sense. But movies yeah. exist and perpetuate forever for years to come. Yeah, right. And a movie like Crimes of the Future or a movie like Babylon is going to yeah. be probably movies like. That. And I think the, the really... reason I mentioned Babylon is Babylon was a, like it was it cost a hundred million dollars to make. Right, that's so a significant it's really thing. Significant that it bombed because it was like whoa, right. 
It's you not know? like it's ir- it's not like it's irrelevant. It's just not the yeah. only piece of the picture. It's right, not it, right. there's a mo- there's a bigger frame than yeah. just that piece. Even yeah. though it's a very very important piece because yeah. movies take money that you need money to make them. Um, Especially yeah, something like that. Yeah, for sure. But Crimes of the Future is one of these films that's uh, clearly not like box office focused. It's just yeah. David Cronenberg yeah. making a David Cronenberg film. It's like a legacy David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think I love Cronenberg, and okay. I think he fucking does a great job with this. What comes back film. to the the horror genre yeah. and it's super weird and i just i, I love that movie. it's so crazy that it's not late like how cool like, okay, yeah i, I believe that your reasoning so though like it i think it's well i don't think that you did it a disjustice putting yeah. it as uh not making it on yeah. there but uh because uh, there's a lot of great movies yeah. but for me this movie definitely i, I love i saw this movie twice in theaters i'm really glad yeah. i did um it's just i love i love watching it i love how it's just so original i love yeah. david oh, cronenberg yeah, yeah. because he's just so yeah. one of the most original yeah, movie makers like i've ever yeah. seen and yeah. and he does he does it where every one of his movies are original from each other too Pretty but they much, have yeah. the auteur connectivity right, right. of tissue where it's like yeah. it's all clearly cronenberg but it's all very original and unique from each other and this film is very is very distinct from the rest of his filmography sure. because it's yeah. like it's like his old horror movies but with all of the other work he did after that um like the drama work mm-hmm. he did yeah. and imbued into this weird right. horror mature story yeah it's um, cool to see like it was you know this updated body horror film that um had a lot of these like more almost like cerebral like nuance or themes like woven into it you know, mm-hmm. and especially also talking about like modern and how this film really is about microplastics and what, what we're ingesting and, and what we put under our bodies and what's problems our food. You know, if we read about all these things that are put into processed food and, and stuff like that, that's what led him to make the film. And so, um, look out for that lens, you know, this movie might be scary relevant the next few years and, yeah uh, yeah yeah you know. yeah right it, it has some it has some really bizarre um poignant commentaries on today's culture with right. cronenberg is so genius at that yeah, at doing yeah. these weird wild absurdist inversions that yeah. like the way that they affect you in our modern life is really wild i remember we had a conversation on crimes of the, our podcast on that yeah we like we get like it's Love a it. huge mind fuck when yeah. we're like breaking it down and talking yeah. about that it was so right. interesting to talk yeah. about and digest that yeah. and i think i think a movie like this to a lot of people um uh is could be self-indulgent or be too abstract right. and not really have a point right. be too open-ended all of those things yeah. which i I don't have any argument against that. I For think sure. it is. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. think it's self indulgent. I think he did a great job with it. But I think it. Can I all of those you, things. Can I what, ask go you Because that was a criticism of Babylon that I've heard. Yeah. And like I also like don't disagree with that notion of a self indulgent movie. But like I guess I'm like so less averse to that because like I kind of want like a filmmaker to like self indulgent means like. I want to, like, I'm trying things, you know, I want to, like, do things, and if it doesn't work, people just be like, oh, it's just self-indulgent, it's just, you know, it's just like, but I kind of want a filmmaker to do that, but I understand, yeah. like, people, um, you know, being, like, almost, like, felt like that they're, um, if it's not working for them, felt like that they're being, like, talked down to or something, or, or yeah, something I think, like I that. think it's, I think it's the feeling of, like, uh, being talked down to, 
or I like uh, was just calling a movie self indulgent. Like I would yeah. just say like, oh, good at work. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be like, you're an asshole for even subjecting me to this. I think, yeah, and I think that's, I think that that's the frustration because it's so like, it's, it's, it's just, it's just like this, this. I feel like I've been cheated with my time with this. One of the times I went and saw Babylon. Well, like I said, the last twenty minutes, last ten minutes is a fucking. This is a fucking. A huge swing. Yeah, (laughs) and. One of the things that I heard someone walk out and go, like, oh, yeah, that was a little, that, that was a little self-indulgent, that ending. And I was like, I was like, I totally get that. But I, I think I never would say that about a movie. I'd be like, oh, that, he tried something and it didn't work, you know? Or, yeah. And, like, I appreciate, I even appreciate that. You know, try something and it's like, it didn't work. Yeah, I think, like, I think it's also interesting about mindset because I yeah. think for you and me, my mindset is that a movie is about because the we, expression of the yeah. artist. And but I want to like, see yeah. the most authentic expression. But I and think a lot of people writing, come... we, we know, like, to make something, like, really great or almost, you have to, like, almost, you have to do that. Because you, have you have to put your to, life on the line. You do. Especially yeah. when you make something, like, really interesting and unique and you want to try to, like, surprise an audience. Like, yeah. you kind of have to do that. And you're willing to risk being called self-indulgent, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. But but I think a lot the mindset around what movies, the service of what movies do, is like this is a product that's made to entertain and service yeah, right. me. Yeah. So when you fail to do mm-hmm. that, then you fail really hard and yeah. you're an asshole for yeah. doing that. Which right. is totally, again, it's totally understandable. Yeah, totally. But I agree yeah. with you that this idea of self and being self-indulgent yeah. is kind of an interesting one and deserves yeah. some unpacking about like why do we think that really yeah. is it really self-indulgent what does that actually mean right um and so crimes of the future is definitely one of those that would be in a conversation uh like that but sure. i think it's great i think it's an yeah, um, amazing expression i think it's an amazing piece of writing what are the... really <laughs> cool state see way to see how cronenberg has matured into an <laughs> old man director one of, of the weirdest performances of the year with uh Watson. I love his performances <laughs> so much, yeah, so great. so much. It's, it's like <laughs> so the, oh, it so he's good. so great. He's so great. I, 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 yeah. So I love this movie. So unique. Too, um, yeah, I'm excited great. to watch it again many more times. Yeah, that's a good. That was film. my seven. Yeah, I like that. That's a great film. Uh, my number seven is <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Nice. This movie rips so hard. They had no right being this good. And uh, I think it's probably it the really best legacy it. sequel ever made. Um, I agree. And I totally I think agree. <laughs> it, what I love about it is that it took this. You know, Top Gun is a funny one to do a sequel to because Top Gun is what I would call the definition of a product of its time. Mm-hmm. And it is a really good, cheesy, corny blockbuster movie that has garnered. Tons of fan base, mostly because I, and I think the way that Tony Scott directed that movie, it is one of the most beautiful looking blockbusters ever made, and it has this iconic look to it and feeling to it. And um, the characters were so fun. And but really, I mean, if you really break out the story, it is like what the hell? I mean, it's literally like <laughs> like it's shocking how shallow. That, that story is when you first see it. it looks I, love, like, I love with both Top Gun films, you don't know who they're fighting. It's like, yeah. who are we fighting? Who is this, kinda, who's this enemy? <laughs> there's there's a really smart in a lot of ways, but like one is like, you don't really need to know, you know? Which is crazy. You don't. You don't need to you know, know who you're fighting. But also, it, it can play 
no matter who's watching it, any nationality, any race, they could put any, you know what I mean? They could be like, that's the fucking, you know. Yeah, whoever whoever you want to hate, let's, put them in let's, that cockpit. Listen, you think an argument is that <laughs> fucked up? Kind of. But it's also like, like for me, when I watch it, I'm like, those are the fucking Russians, dude. Fuck the Russians. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. you know, if you're, in, if you're in China, you're like, those are the fucking Japs. Yeah, you know, fuck the Japs. <laughs> so it's like it works that way, or you project. You know, whoever, I didn't think about that. Know, that that is really true, though, about like yeah. like that kind of flexibility for which is very uh, Hollywood, yeah. uh, yes. very effective Hollywood filmmaking. Exactly. And Tom Cruise, I mean, I've never loved and hated a guy so much in my life. I know because I know. he's what such a, paradox. a fucking crazy lunatic, and I'm sure he's probably killed a couple people. But <laughs> he is one of the best naked movies right now. And like he does not fuck around, and like the effects of this movie and the the way that this film like was shot, the action sequences are so incredibly visceral and so just fucking exciting that I just couldn't believe it. Like, I just couldn't believe, like, how they're shooting these things, how, uh, like, technology's gotten so much better that we can just put the camera at just amazing angles on these planes and have remote crazy drone shots and crazy fucking, like, aerodynamic, like, um, you know, of cinematography that is just fucking seeing this movie in a movie theater. I mean, I was like, I I hadn't felt that alive in a movie theater <laughs> in like a long time. Seriously, like, yeah, yeah. Like the fucking opening goddamn scene where that was so epic. Is, I was cheering. It was awesome. It is, it's so, and like, just on, obviously, it looks like, but the editing, the way that that, the whole movie, honestly, works in this awesome way like there's this great video on youtube that i highly recommend it's a great video essay i usually don't love video essays this one's great but it compares Chaka Maverick to a pop song and how the scenes of that movie you know pop songs work in familiar f- formulas that's how they work mm-hmm. and how Chaka Maverick works in a very similar way and it and it creates this perfect execution of like what a blockbuster and exciting you know, uh, action film should be. While also, to me, having this actual, like, pretty, like, compelling story in the core of it of a surrogate sub story, which I think is, like, I mean, this movie almost made me cry at the end. I mean, when, the, when they fucking, and Miles Teller and Maverick and Grace, Yeah, you know, it fucking hits. It, yeah, it really it hits. hits. And it works, and it's so moving and because it's so exciting and you're with these characters these all the new characters were fucking i was that was the last thing i was expecting i thought i was just gonna like like maverick and all the other guys were gonna be like what they're bob <laughs> hey man they're all <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah they're yeah it's so fun and great and they all have this great dynamic to them and maverick tom cruise is genuinely great in the movie he has great dramatic scene the scene with Iceman is heartbreaking and the way they took Val Kilmer's character I thought was so sweet, heartfelt like I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because it's so they could have really mishandled that the way that they handled him and his character was so great and 
Jennifer Connelly is fucking glowing. Uh, holy shit. It's like 55. This is gorgeous. <laughs> and that, you know, whole dynamic was cute and sweet. Like, peppered into the movie just the right amount. Wasn't, yeah. you know, felt like it wasn't overstepping it. The, you know, the funny stuff with Jennifer Connelly's daughter and Maverick work really well. And she <laughs> came out of the, you know, he sneaks out of the house and he lands and, you know, gets caught sneaking out of his mom's house. And, yeah, but yeah, and it's just really, it's really great. It's amazing cap to it where she goes, just don't break her heart again. You know, it mm-hmm. could have had this really funny scene, but it actually kind of hit home in this blockbuster way. This movie knew exactly what it was and it had so much fun being what it was and just transcended all expectations that I think any human on the planet had for what a Top Gun sequel could be. And it was just, if I'm being honest, probably the most fun I had with a blockbuster this year in a theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was such a great movie. And it's fun to see this movie top a lot of people's top ten lists. And even like critics, like, you you would not expect, you know, I had this in their top ten. It was really really fun. It was really cool to see that. Because it's really well made and really, really good. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was, like, irresistible to not enjoy it, exactly. because it's yeah. just, it's such an adrenaline rush, and it's really great, yeah. and it's really the cool to great, see. you know, all yeah, the, the music is great. The music I love that, wonderful. that was a great, disor- I thought that was a great decision, yeah. um, um, so but great. I love that they let Maverick mature, and on right. the idea of uh, using conventional forms, I thought it was so interesting how they so effectively just used the Star Wars plot. Yeah. So like like in the Maverick movie, and it was like it didn't. It's like this still works. This is great. It's oh, just like a, like a mentor figure. You know? No, I mean like they it, the the run on oh, the Death oh, Star yeah, oh, is the oh, final like scene the actual, of the movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I never thought of it. And then the trench run. And then and then they even yeah. have it where like Maverick and the surrogate yeah. son get trapped on the other that's side with never, like the stormtrooper. Never thought of that. Never thought of that. Yeah, but right. um, so yeah. it's like it's like Star Wars again. Yeah. But it's like it doesn't bother me because it's the p- conventional plot because they're, right. they're like these archetype stories and oh they're just God. focusing on like the, they use the shit that yeah. works and they just focus on let's just make the action fucking I think phenomenal. My favorite scene of the year is in Taco Maverick when they kick Maverick out for his bad teachings, you know, yeah. and they are their job head is debriefing the two of out. All right, we're not going to try to do this in two and a half minutes or whatever you guys are thinking. Oh, yeah. We're going to do this in eight minutes, and then you just hear... Wait, Maverick turn out, on? That, and then Maverick does the whole thing in two and a half minutes. Jesse, I saw this opening night of the, like... That's of, so like, awesome. That was the crazy. The was, yeah! Like, <laughs> like, but it's so... A, a, a scene like that... You've seen scenes like that in movies, obviously, but the way that this was executed... I just, I couldn't believe how much I loved it. I, it was just such a, a, and watching my dad watch this movie, I was the greatest moment of my yeah. life, honestly. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it was great. It was, it, it's a great movie, and I, and I love it. And I've watched it like four times. I'm probably going to watch it more and more times. It's just that good. Yeah, it's one of those. I think it's it's. I'm I'm looking forward to rewatching. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a movie that I was going to enjoy rewatching, but talking about it, it's just like, oh, no, yeah. those scenes are great. They're, I, they'll be oh, it's worth God, rewatching. Yeah. Um. So I I really really I really dug it too. I really dug it too. I think it deserves the recognition that it's been getting. That's a good seven. All right. So on to six. My number six is we've mentioned it before. Barbarian. Yeah. Uh, this another film that is just so original and it just yeah. really took me. Um, and 
I think that I, I put this above Crimes of the Future because of how I I, I like open ended movies, but I am a sucker for some nice closure and a nice like finely yeah, tuned, yeah. simple, yeah. Put, put together piece. I think there's too many open ended movies, right? So <laughs> and, and Barbarian, yeah, but but Barbarian uh, is really just uh, totally original. Yeah. All of the points, I think it, it hits really well, but I, I never expected any of the twists or turns that, they, <laughs> that he took with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the whole movie was just like, like, like you said, like this great ride, but yeah. not in a like turn off your brain kind of way. It was so stimulating yeah. throughout yeah. that, and it really was really inspiring because it felt like a movie that a normal human being could make. Who with instead of like someone who was like a a star or a god who has a jillion dollars. This just felt like <laughs> yeah. somebody who it's like wrote a script because they were passionate about it, found the funding for it, and just made it. Just using really smart, efficient, right. and great performances, yeah. um, and just great ideas, and just blending a bunch of things that haven't been blending yeah. blended before to create something totally new. Yeah, you know, it's um, a lot of the um, like classic like eighties kind of. Um, you know, risk-taking in a, in a horror film like that. But it did have a modern twist to it, which was, like, really exciting and really fun. And yeah. One of the it, wildest, like, midpoints in a movie this year. Not going to spoil it, but yeah. uh, so bold and crazy and hilarious. And <laughs> I and I, and I, I love that... Um... I, I I love that it just felt so free and what he was experimenting with. Like, it really just felt like he yeah. was just making – it just really felt like the movie that this guy wanted to make. And yeah. I love – I love, love, well, love super, seeing movies like that. It's super efficient and it's um, – yeah, it's, it, it's fun. It was super fun to, like, list to do well also, do well in theaters. And also, like, when it got on HBO Max, like, seeing it become like a meme, you know? on TikTok and stuff, and it's great, because it's such a, a movie like that should, should have been, like, an underrated gem that no one knows about, you know? It has that type of feeling to it, but it's awesome that a large group of people saw it, and a large audience saw this small yeah. budget movie that barely had any marketing, anything like that, which is, like, it's just great. Like there was like barely any marketing for it. It was like it had a great marketing campaign. It was literally yeah, yeah. word of mouth, movie rip. So Go see well. it. It's like that's so that's just makes me happy. That's how movies should work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. How things should be successful. I and don't I want think, to be tricked into going to the movie theater. You know. And I think so, one of the reasons why it's, it got picked up such an audience base is because um I, like when we were reviewing it. We didn't have to refer to our notes at all about what happened next. The cause and effect <laughs> yeah. chain yeah. of this movie is so yeah. tight. Yeah. It's so tight yeah. that there's no room for, like, confusion or anything like that. You're just moving. It's so natural, and it flows, like, perfectly. Sure, it's such a good flow. I um, so yeah. I think, that, like, when you're watching it, it's, it's – so it, in addition to being really cool, really innovative, really stimulating, yeah. it's also very easy to watch, which that's right. just – that's like magic. It just feels like magic when shit like that Yeah, happens. it's really so, exciting when that happens because it's just like – I don't know. That's, I, I love horror films like that. It's my favorite horror films are like that. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait for if he makes another one soon. I, 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 he, yeah. He will become, like, a really cool horror voice in the future if he – 
Yeah, we'll see, you know, because that's it kind of feels like when um you know, fucking Jordan Peele Get Out came out. It was like what the fuck, you know, that was and then you not like, quite the to the arri- scale the of the impact, but it's yeah. like, well, let's see what this guy does next because he could really, you know, yeah, know right. how to do this really well. So I, yeah. I agree. We'll see. I'm excited for movie two. For sure. That was six. That was yeah. That was my six. Oh, my six is uh, the and Another film that a lot of people are seeing and loving. That's great. I'm so happy to hear um, that. And then I think like, you know, this is like. You know, also generating steam in the Oscar, you know, contention. Cool. So like, yeah, yeah, awesome. So I wasn't expecting that, but it's, it's, it's starting to bubble up in Tom Farrell's. I think becoming more and more the favorite to win. Yeah. I just um, feel like everyone loves Colin Farrell. So. Yeah, and he's kind of due for an Oscar. I don't know. I, I, I can see it happening, let's just say yeah. that. It'll be really interesting. I think the best actor race is one of the most interesting uh, in a while. Because you have Brennan Fraser, um, Colin Farrell, Austin Butler, um, and, uh, oh my god, fucking, uh, 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 Paul Dano. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of great performances that could be up and could win, honestly. Like, they're all deserving of it. But, um, yeah, I love this film. I think Mark Lugana is a great filmmaker. I love all his films. Yeah, and this one. I really enjoyed because it was so different than his previous three films. It was such more of like a mellow film and um, more of a like almost like um, cerebral film than his other films because it's very meditated in, in some ways. And like, I just think that the dialogue is so goddamn good and snappy and funny. And this movie is heartbreaking, it's funny, it's poignant, it's like, has a lot of things to say about death, legacy, friendship, isolation, loneliness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a really beautiful film. It has great performances by everyone. Brendan Gleeson, Paul Darrell, Barry Keough, Shia Bond, the actress who played... Uh, Call for Sisters is fucking amazing in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I love All the performances her. are so electric and great. So they good. have great chemistry. And this place beautifully shot. One of the most beautiful looking movies of the year. Um, and just a, you know, a really just a fun movie to watch. <laughs> you know, it's fun. And then you get real sad real quick by the end of it. But oh, my it's, gosh. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really worth watching. I, I, this is a movie I recommend it to everybody. Almost everybody that has seen it of my friends and family have liked it. So it's really cool. And I think, you know, Fucking I would love one. it if Art Lugano won for best um, screenplay again. Because I think this deserves it. And it's a really, really special. Fuck yeah, he does. Movie. So, um, yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah, number six. Good, good one. Good cool. one. All right, my number five is The Northman. Yeah, um, cool. The The Northman is another movie that I think, uh, like Mad God, might r- could have rised in the ranking if I saw it more times. But mm-hmm. it was one of, and I and I kind of put it up um, based out of respect of how much I like Robert Eggers and because I know this movie is awesome. But I think I didn't. Right. I enjoyed movies like Barbarian and Puss in Boots. Maybe even Crimes of the Future more because, yeah. like the Northmen, at the end of it, 
I didn't have that same punch feeling that I had yeah. I had with a lot of these other films. So I think that there's a, a degree of looseness to the Northman that yeah. kind of makes the point and the genius of it kind of slip by a little bit. Sure. But yeah. I think the Northman is genius, and yeah. I think when I see it more and I kind of get more saturated in it, and it's a very slow film, right. it's a very long film. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's very abstract and takes some and wakes some weird turns. Yeah. And when I process it more, and when I get all the juices from this movie, yeah. and uh, when I've just had flashes of memories of scenes from it, where it's like. That's fucking crazy. Did yeah. that really happen in that movie? It's right. like I can't really believe that that happened <laughs> yeah. now. Um, so yeah. I think that this is going to be a movie that I – and I've been wanting to watch it again. And yeah. I think it's going to be like the most fun Robert Eggers movies to rewatch. For sure. um, oh, yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, I mean I – the reason it's not higher for me is like I think part of like what you're saying is like um, I really think like – I think – the thing is that I think it's not as, um, like, if I were to compare it to his other two movies, it has, like, this, almost, it's more like, yeah, like, a loose is a good word. It's more like, um, you know, the story is kind of hard to, like, define in, mm-hmm. in some pockets where you're kind of like, I don't really know kind of the purpose of what Kind of meanders, meandering, but I will say, like, I've only seen this once in, in theaters, like, but all the... All the detours that this film took, I thought, were all, like, really exciting and really fun and wild. And I think part of it is, like, I can't wait to, like, rewatch this and rediscover, you know, these moments, you know. And, uh, like, yeah, that movie has so many, like, moments that would just pop into my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. fucking York is an Icelandic witch you know, it was in that movie at one point. And, and you remember you remember how he fucking, like, kills people and makes a horse sculpture out of their bodies and puts it on, like, a fucking yeah, wall? Yeah, incredible. What well, the then, fuck? Then he does that, and then... They the fight last, in a volcano? The last, the <laughs> last shot... Yeah, yeah that... Yeah, dude. <laughs> but the last shot also, like, strikes me, like, crazy. Um, I love the last, this last shot of the film. Um, just, like, almost him, <laughs> him dying and looking up and seeing... Uh, uh, fucking Iron Taylor Joy's Valkyrie literally like fly up into the fucking heavens and uh, love that. I, the the operatic and the uh folk tale element of the movie I thought was so infectious and just like so unique and like I just and he's just you know I can't wait for what he does next. His his films are um fucking awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't love it as much as the... It's my least favorite Robert Eggers movie so far. But that being said, like, still pretty great. Yeah, yeah. that's a, and that's the thing that's interesting about The Norseman, because I had a really similar experience the first time I saw it. Because, you know, when you watch The Lich, Witch or The Lighthouse, it's it's like, that was an important thing for me to see. I'm changed forever. Well, the, the, Witch, the Witch is like... You know, I, re-watching The Witch is a little different because, like, I have to kind of remind myself of, like, when this came out, this was fucking crazy nothing really had been made like that yeah like with this like actual authenticity of like setting a, like a horror movie like set in that specific, and taking this corny idea as a, of a witch kind of like seriously you know yeah Blair yeah. Witch but kind of different you know it's kind of like a different you know um it's not really a witch movie like this movie like really took it like there's a fucking witch in the woods and it's fucking real. And yeah. it's real to these people. And the groundedness and the really just dark, it's just 
unlike anything, the lighthouse is one of the most unique movies ever made by a human being. So yeah. this was like I've seen period pieces like this, but he brought like the Robert Eggers like you know uh, style to it. It was so exciting. You know? Well, that, that's the thing. Mind blowing as his other two films. I know? think, but that's the thing with like the Norseman that I'm curious about because I kind of have a feeling that it might get to that point of mind blowingness for me. Oh yeah, on for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's just really interesting that it didn't have that same click on the right. first watch but that also, his other two films did. Also, like you're also coming in with like expectations too and because of like not just like Robert Eggers like he made The Lighthouse dude like I right. mean, which one of our favorite movies yeah, like, of so all like, time yeah so it's kind of like alright well it's his next film it'll be like, like walking the licorice pizza I remember like I was peeing my pants and I was like oh my god a fucking Paul Collins Anderson movie you know like and so it definitely colors my first experience a little bit you know yeah. Um, so, the yeah. other thing, the other thing with the Norseman that's kind of interesting is that Robert Eggers actually stepping out of his comfort zone of cerebral right, right, into right, like right. this revenge action film. Yeah, so right. that's also like territory that he's not quite as perfected as right. he had with like like the Lighthouse is like you know how to write psychology, you know how to write period pieces, you know how yeah. to do this shit. Yeah. And and then this is and it's kind of a different it's kind of a different vein of movie for him yeah. to go down. Um, but. Uh, I agree with all the things you said, said about it still. Yeah. Um, and I think it's I, I, it's just a really fucking the cool movie. Is, like, he, he's so inside to an actually great filmmaker because, honestly, like, I love filmmakers that make similar things, but the thing about, like, a great filmmaker to me is someone that can tell stories in completely different genres and completely different. And the Northland proves that to me. Where it's like, not only is he great he's here to stay and he's gonna yeah, make some sure. really interesting things moving forward like that's what it kind of proves me and honestly that's all i needed it to do you know because lighthouse makes two great like you know indie horror film like weirdo movies get a little big budget let's see what he does you know yeah. and he made that and it was great and um so kind of proved like all right he's he's uh he's he's got a fluke you know, he will make great things in the future. So it's like, yeah, that's what it really proved to me. Also, right, right, and that that that's also how I felt by the end yeah. of of it as well. Where it's just like, man, this guy is going to be one of the best for sure. Like of, 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 their, I, of his generation, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. I, I think so. I think he's really going to be. I mean, like, like, yeah. yeah, it'll be really interesting ten years from now. Like yeah. what we see but robert robert eggers is i mean he was yeah. on our radar with the lighthouse and this yeah. just really like you're right this movie after seeing this is well, like cemented as being like okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah it's it's just like all right cool like who's gonna just keep going um all right that's yeah that's six five that was five uh my five is the fatal ones cool um this is a phenomenal fucking this, yeah, this guy is. named steven spielberg and he makes really, really good movies. And this is a fascinating film. And uh, it was told about his childhood, about his parents divorcing, and he, that's something that has been in a lot of his films, especially in the 70s and the 80s. Like, and seeing him finally like tackle the subject head-on, literally like a movie about his childhood, a yeah. lot more... Uh, sad that uh, I was appreciating yeah, it, it to me. Yeah, uh, a lot more like there, there are honestly like I remember hearing like you know there's some critics 
of people that I've read that, like, have called this movie, like, you know, cheesy or sincere or unsincere or whatever. And to me, I think of that, like, I don't even know what fucking movie they watched. Like, that's one of those criticisms where I'm like, I don't even know, right. what did you watch? <laughs> like, like, it's like, I would love to, like, hear you out, but I don't even understand what you're saying. Because, yeah. like, this movie is almost uncomfortably sincere. Like, there are moments in this movie that yeah, feel I agree. like, like, I can't believe he's letting us into this, you know, um, this window of his personality and this, and this, uh, like, this, of this iconic moment. He's letting us in to his mindset in a way that he's never really done before. And the moment that I keep thinking about that is one of the most, like, retrospect, very haunting moments, and I just couldn't believe that a, a Spielberg movie made me feel this way, is while the divorce is happening, spoiler for the Palemans, while his parents are getting a divorce, Spielberg does this thing where he has Sammy, like, in the mirror, like, look in the mirror and film his divorce. Yeah. Which is haunting, because yeah. you can start thinking about, like, that's him, you know, so he's, that's a, a version of him right. that he's right. representing that he took this trauma or this um, really traumatic event or this sad event and almost turned it on, made, I want to say a profit off of it, but kind of a, like, made art of it, meaning, like, to me, like, almost like this disconnect that was happening, you know, with him. Yeah. In that moment, he, like, almost, like, decided to completely disengage and follow his art and not even really, you know, not until this movie, like, tackle that trauma and that, like, yeah. sort of, like, head on. Yeah, And, yeah. like, that's one of the best moments of the year. It's such a haunting and really interesting moment in a Spielberg movie that I never would have really anticipated. But other than that shit, it's this amazing, well-acted, well-shot, uh, funny, just uh, beautiful movie about the magic of movies and also uh, about um, an artist and what it means to be an artist and how important it is uh, to um, follow your heart, which I like. You know, it's amazing. And I think it's a fucking phenomenal movie, and I think Spielberg... It Like Get Out is one of his best movies. You know, I think it's a really, really phenomenal movie. And I wish he would just retire. Because I would love this, this to fucking be the end. The last movie he ever made. Yeah. It's like, oh my yeah, god. Right. like, what? But uh, if he makes another one, I'm, I'm first in line. But, uh, you know, please. Spielberg. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, what an amazing film. And look, and look, this also is being one of the favorites to win this picture. And I would be super happy for that, too. And if Spielberg gets a work for this, this would be really cool and a really cool culmination of his career. And I gotta think about it, the Academy might do that because it's kinda of too perfect, right? It's too perfect yeah, to the yeah. narrative, right? So but I would be super happy because he deserves it. This is a really, really great movie, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um my number three is the Fableman. So oh. I'll just go straight into talking about that for my sweet. No, sorry, it's not my number three. It's my number four pick. Oh sweet. yeah, awesome. Cool. Um my number four pick is the Fableman and yeah. Very similar to you, it really it really hit me deep. It really yeah. it really got me. And I guess I just went in. 
I obviously know Steven Spielberg's a fucking genius because he's made some of the best moons of all time. But I was just kind of going in with the expectation of quality like um, Ready Player One, I suppose. Just that, just like things that he's making now. Things he's making now. And I was just really not expecting it to be this level of genius. It's just. It's I, I I mean this is this I don't have any problems with this movie. I yeah. don't have any problems with it. I think that I think that it's like this amazing epic of this family. I think it's extremely genuine. Right. Um and I think it's extremely cinematic. It's just yeah. so cinematic. Yeah. And sometimes like things like this can feel um I'll I'll use we just criticized the use of the word self indulgent, but it feels self indulgent in the sense of just like well, of indulging in the drama yeah. of like the a, situation. Well, also you're making something. Well, yeah, but you're also he's, this is an autobiographical film that can easily fall into like right. My life is interesting, right? But know? or or it's it's like it's situations where you're posing melodrama as being interesting yeah. when it's not yeah, really yeah, yeah. that interesting. Yeah, um, right, it's like we right. don't really care about your life, which I know is important yeah. to you because it's your life. But I don't yeah. really care. <laughs> yeah. That's not Sorry. what this film yeah. is. That's not yeah. what the Fableman is. I yeah. care a lot about Sammy. Yeah. I care about every single one of the family members. Yeah. Um, and their trajectory throughout yeah. the whole entire. Like film. I think I said it when we were doing it. It's like you could not be aware that this is about. Childhood, and you still get a lot out of it. It's just which a I think great is, which story. I think was a perfect. It's a perfect. Yeah, you way don't. For him you don't do need that. to like. Obviously, like knowing that this is based on Spielberg's own life adds a whole great dynamic to the movie. But if you didn't know that, you probably would still really enjoy it. You know? Yeah, it's it, it, well it felt, written and well made. You know, and I, and I think, and when you read about like the backstory of that film and and the process of making it, yeah. you you can feel how I really felt like I could feel how much emotional work he put into making this film. It's really yeah. imbued with a piece of him more than it being just about him, about yeah. his story. There's like a piece of him as the man he is today and the yeah. man he was that he just really put into that film. Yeah. Um, and that's a really inspiring thing uh, as someone who also wants to tell stories and make, you know, and make movies and things right. like that. Right. Seeing an epic figure yeah. tell this very insecure turmoil like rot story of kind of going through this right. life of a very you know a boy who seems very normal how he yeah. becomes this you know this yeah. god you know yeah, to right. us it's, yeah. it's it's really amazing to see that without diminishing any of like his achievements or anything like that either it just it just enhances yeah. what with yeah. this so i agree it's like it's like this perfect it's this perfect bookend to this you know uh legendary career this yeah. re- legendary uh person yeah. um and uh it really, it really hit me, and yeah, I did not, I did not expect this, it to. This, this film is like, I think, you can maybe agree with me, is like, I feel like a lot of cinema fans, especially when you grow up, like, in your teenage, you get, there's a period where you resent Spielberg. Like, I oh, have, for like, sure. a, I had a year yeah, for sure. where you resent Spielberg, and then you come back around and you're like, oh, wait, no, he's actually the greatest filmmaker of all time. I like, have it's that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, Absolutely. there's this hilarious thing that happened, I've heard that a lot. On TikTok, it's like, you know, you grow up loving Spielberg, obviously, and then you get to, like, Tarantino's, and, like, you know, maybe oh, yeah. Fellini, or you get, like, Super Geek, and you're like, Fellini's awesome, or whatever, and then, uh, <laughs> and then you're like, Spielberg just makes Hollywood slop, and then when yeah. you get older and grow, like, a brain, you're like, oh, wait, no, he's just the greatest storyteller 
maybe in the 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 cinema scene. Like, yeah, he's still there for a reason, you know. Yeah, I really, connect. I I really had that. So my, my my resenting period was really through most of college. Yeah. I would say I I and then once like once the pandemic happened and we did some podcast on like Jaws yeah. and Close Encounters. I was like, I get it now. Like yeah, it, I, I, I see the I full picture. One of the greatest filmmakers ever. <laughs> yeah, after I saw Close Encounters, because I was like, you were like, right. you were liking, <laughs> you were just liking movies that were like, I'm like, how do you what? Like, if yeah. you like this, you're gonna like a Spielberg movie. There's it's just like, something. There's it's, it's just there's just that funny period when you're insecure yes, and you're I developing yeah, your own yeah. taste. You want to be more original than liking Spielberg. Yeah, but sure. the great thing about Spielberg movies is that. Um, is that it connects with everybody and everyone yeah. has their own personal experience with these stories. They're so right. universal in their yeah. how profound they are. And that was like the genius of once I saw because once I saw when I saw Close Encounters, I was like, this is as experimental and risk taking as any other movie out yeah. there. It just happens to be a super successful yeah. blockbuster too. Yeah. That's I mean, that's like, well yeah, I mean all those things like I mean like And Fablemans is like exactly like that for yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm like, no one saw it. It was fascinating, too. I mean, it's also interesting to see Babylon is also in this weird um, category of movies this year that are films about movies that did horrible in the movies. <laughs> um, which, I think that there's actually a lot more of a deeper and interesting conversation happening there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Especially with Babylon, because in a lot of ways, like, I think David Chazelle went into making Babylon thinking, because a lot of that movie also is about the state of cinema in general. Yeah. And um, I think he legitimately went into making that movie, and I'm not kidding, I'd love to ask him. I think David Chazelle went into that movie thinking, this might be the last time a movie like this is ever made. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw everything I have at the fucking wall, you know? Yeah. And, like, make one of the craziest drug fuel movies ever about Hollywood and the way that I want to do it. Just, you know, get it as big as you possibly can. Because he, I think, deep down, he might believe that Hollywood is dead. Yeah. Yeah, And so, really and it's really fascinating to see. That's really and I don't think Hollywood is dead, but it's changing. And movies like that, these big movies, big budget movies like Babylon, you know, that um, cost a lot of money to make. And, like, it's not like he couldn't, he couldn't really make that movie for $20 million. He maybe could, but it wouldn't be as good. You had to recreate all of this amazing, I mean, I'm glad that it was $100 million. The first hour and a half, it's like, well, the first 45 minutes is a fucking orgy in a fucking giant mansion with, like, a thousand extras. You're like, dude. I'm happy that he had money so I could actually see that shit. That was yeah. fucking, what the fuck? <laughs> so, like, but, like, you know, so that idea of a movie like that might be impossible to make now, which is, like, kind of, if there's nothing, no familiar thing that people can drag onto. And so, um, that's disturbing. That's a, that's a lot of filmmakers are in that mindset right now that that is a disturbing thing you hear about a lot about what jim cameron has been talking about with avatar and kind of the fear of like even coming back to avatar because of the landscape of cinema and that's what pushed him super hard to make this truly like unique movie going experience which he obviously succeeded in doing 
very well because he hit $2 million last week or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, it works for him. But, like, I think a lot of filmmakers are, are of that caliber are very worried about, you know, big, like getting movies like that made. So, um, yeah. I think it's funny to see the Spielberg movie because the Palings didn't even come out in wide release. I, I was talking to one of my buddies on the phone the other day. He, he went near three AMC theaters, and one of them was selling it when wow. it came out, and which is really crazy wow. to think about, and uh, and it was out of his way. It was like the smaller one. It wasn't wow. like the big wow, wow, wow. So it's kind of like we're in a world where the Spielberg movie is like hard to see in theaters. Yeah, which is so fucking wild right so, so wild and so um yeah it's it's really interesting um all right so uh that was your four that was my table men's was four so what's your four, four. uh <laughs> rr yeah wow uh, so high so yeah, sick this movie is amazing this movie yeah. fucking <laughs> melted my brain it melted my eyes it was like the great like, when i saw it i was literally like that is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life just yeah balls to the wall like just inventing creative filmmaking with a story that is actually compelling and moving and doesn't um it doesn't shy away from the quote unquote corniness that it can have, you know. Um I like that it's you know, it like has its emotions on its sleeve. I like that it's upfront of how, you know, big the film's heart is. The movie's literally about friends. And the rise and fall of the friendship, of the greatest friendship you've ever seen, you know, of two <laughs> just bros, you know. Yeah. And so, like, I love that it sticks with that idea and has, you know, uh, musical numbers that are legitimately just like fucking like dance your ass off until you sweat bullets, yeah. like adrenaline, Nachi Nachi. The fucking the last musical number is amazing. Yeah, like it's just the action you've never seen anything like some of the action in this movie. There, there's a point For sure. where For a dude sure. like gets attacked by a tiger and he doesn't even care and he throws the tiger at another guy. Like he throws <laughs> it off of him, throws it. It's like anime level action, yeah. you know? And yeah, over yeah. The top it is, anime yeah, level it is action, like anime. but. To done with, you know, practical effects, CGI. The CGI in this movie opened my eyes to what the hell is Marvel doing and what the hell is, you know, if you take the time with some of these, you know, visual effects, you can make some really creative and realistic-looking things. Like, the tiger looks super real in this movie. And they're fighting it like it's like a, like, like, not like, it, like it's real. Like, it's yeah. so crazy how well the visual effects and practical effects are integrated in the film it's so invigorating and fun and uh just because of its you know bollywood hollywood nature it's uh you've never seen anything like this you know it's bollywood films and hollywood films are made in such a different way unique way and this just had this just genuinely compelling story at the center of it and uh just I, it, this film's even hard to really explain to you. Like, just how to have to see it to believe it. Like, S.S. Rajagali is a fucking madman. Like, what a fucking crazy director. Like, what a crazy man, you know? I would love to see his 
fucking story wars with you. You're probably the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Um, and so sure. uh, I, <laughs> I think that this song is it's so fun and so good. And if you don't like it, I don't know if we can be friends. Um, <laughs> well, I do, got so got we're got good. Got two, got two, got two. <laughs> yeah, so good. Man. Yeah, so man, good. here, 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 so pre- pre- preaching to and the choir I on that one. want to shoot myself in the fucking foot that I wish I had heard about this movie when it was in movie theaters in America, because I knew... That would have been great. That would have been so beyond great. Beyond great. If you watch fucking reactions of this movie of how Indian audiences in America and in India react to this movie, it is a rock concert. People fucking bring confetti and fucking throw it in the air when... You know, it's just like, I really wish I saw it in theater. Maybe yeah. one day I will, but... Yeah, our arm and Maverick re- remind me of each other in the fact of how, like, yeah. even though the stories are really simple or whatever they are, right. are kind of cheesy, they set them up in the way where it's so satisfying that you can't help but be into it. So a exactly. lot of this right. cheesy shit, like throwing a, lo- a tiger to someone <laughs> else, you don't yeah. roll your eyes. You're like, no. yeah! Well, you're, you're, you're cheering, but you're also laughing. It's, it's fun. You're laughing, it's cheering, it's like... Yeah. It's like that's what it like, like lifts why, your why heart. Is, why does everything have to be fucking golden? Why does everything have to be fucking dark and like no, you gotta feel every punk? It's like, dude, this is a fucking movie. It's a <laughs> fucking silly movie. And like let them like do like not everything has to be serious, you know? Um and but that being said, like I think that there are really moving moments in this and work in a in a really like fun operatic way like you're watching like a you know something you know so expressionistic you know and yeah. it's hard, like you said it's hard not to get wrapped up in it because it's so so sincere and so well made that you're like how do i not like this you know? yeah yeah it's yeah like, damn you know yeah and the yeah. actors are so fun like everything about it is just like it's so like well crafted like it doesn't ask you to like um take itself seriously you know it's just like I'm seeing interviews with Rock and Ollie, and he's literally just like, I just wanted to make the most fun movie I possibly could make, you know? Yeah, And, yeah, like, yeah. that's what he did. Like, it's just such a exciting film. And I can't wait for, I know he's talked about making an RR2. And oh, right, wow, you know, that'd be crazy. RR2 meaning, like, I think, uh, working with those two actors again. Um, yeah. And um, trying to create a story and trying to make something bigger and better than the last one yeah, so yeah fuck it. when that comes out i am buying tickets to see that in a theater immediately yeah you know? me too i might yeah. actually go <laughs> like visit people that like my sister in la or fucking dc or a yeah major go city, hang out with people <laughs> a major city to go yeah. see that in a major city with like you know a bunch of people indian audiences hopefully that will come out to see that because i would love to see like you know, something like that, in kind of the way that it's intended to be seen. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but that being said, yeah, RRs. It's on Netflix. I don't know if you mentioned that, but it's on yeah. Netflix. Go Easy watch access. It. Go watch it. Get yeah, some super. friends, make some popcorn. You will have fun. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, it's a really, it's really <laughs> fun. I guarantee it. It's really fun. Um, great. So that's number four. Yeah. My number three is. Banshees of Anishirin. I love this movie so much. I love it. Uh, It's just another one that's just strikingly original. Um, I 
just worked on every level for me. Yeah. It was the funniest and saddest movie I have like, maybe yeah. every I, maybe of all time for me. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's uh I, I just I, I really liked it. And one of my favorite things about uh Mark Martin McDonough yeah. is that so he's he's a playwright and I think the focus of all of his his movies is the writing. Like that's like the thing that's like truly brilliant about yeah. it. But what makes his movies so good and kind of go to the levels that he has like this unbelievably good writing and really it's so unique and it's so fresh and so never like seen before and so unformulaic but still satisfying in a formulaic way yeah, yeah, that yeah. how formulaic movie is but he's also uh has an eye for making things cinematic because yeah. a lot of playwrights like like you plays and movies have a lot of similarities to them with uh, the whale okay, mm-hmm. too much it's of that, a... it's that, it's that, like it didn't really feel like a movie at times yeah and I think that uh, I saw, I heard a really good point. Actually, I was listening to a roundtable about the guy who wrote The Fableman and talking about why he couldn't be a oh director. Oh, he's a fucking genius. Cody Kisser. Yeah, yeah. But he was talking – what he was talking about, which was really interesting – I never Ultra thought about this before – is that playwrights, when they're thinking about theirs, they have one objective viewpoint, which is from the yeah, audience, where right. they're seeing all of the story. Yeah. But for cinema, and he was talking about, like, oh, well, when you're in cinema, you can see from the perspective, like, of Michael Myers. Like, that's who's seeing it. Right. Or you can be looking at directly at an object in close-up or things like that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's a lot of times what playwrights, they can't make that transition very well right. when they're making movies. Well, it's Unless you collaborate yeah. with a director who does right. have that visual uh capacity right. but right. he has it he can do it and he yeah. does it really 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 well right. and uh this movie has uh has the nuances of playwriting but yeah. also the nuances of cinematic and visual storytelling right. and yeah there's some weird like cool like with the you know the the fancy you know character who mm-hmm. you know that was such an interesting and cinematic choice you know to make like you know, that made it feel like... You can maybe see that happening in a play, but something about it being in this movie like made the, the island feel more real, more lived in. felt like a character more than, you know, just like a setting. You yeah. Know? Like yeah, it was yeah. an actual character in the movie, you know? Um, but, yeah. And I, I yeah, just... like that wouldn't work on stage. Like, you maybe could try to do that on stage, but it would be... Just this character kind of like hanging out in the background would be kind of strange. Yeah, it would. You know? It would be. It'd be. It'd be more metaphorical on right. in a it would play. Be like more on the nose, and it would be like this is exactly what this is. But this, know? but in in the movie form, it has like this. It's it has this blended, not quite. It's sort of surreal, like abstract, amb- yeah, a yeah. really nice ambiguity though. A really yeah, nice yeah, that, that makes it more am- immersive. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I I really like his movies. Um, uh, in Bruges again, another I love. I just I love that movie, and I love this one, and it was really. I would love to rewatch um, cause I three billboards outside of Eddie Missouri was, was just a movie that he did before. I need to watch that. In, in a fan. yeah, have you only seen it in Bruges? Yeah, dude. Oh, good. Yeah, you got. I have a yeah, lot dude. to catch up on. You might like. Excited. You might actually like three billboards more. Yeah. Um, I think three billboards is like I remember seeing that. That was like. That's another, like, really dark and super funny movie. Um, but that film, like, um, I don't know if I like it as much as Three Billboards. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, all his films are, I love his films. I think they're, they're really great and unique and have this, like, really unique 
voice to it. It goes for a lot of the uh, kinds of like kind of what made Tarantino special, but it was Actually, like yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. kind of like more. Now that he makes a lot more like like because he's a playwright, they're a lot more like uh, cocky. You don't see a lot of like set pieces in his movies, like yeah, you know. Obviously, they're not like there are. There's a couple of Green Goblins that like I'll never forget about, but like they. Um, yeah, his songs are, you know, songs would be like, they're talking all the time. You know, he's talking. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, like, he has that same kind of feeling to me of, like, this dark, funny tone, but also, like, um, has this real cerebral, like, way of telling stories that is really interesting. And yeah. I feel like the other thing that uh, that comparison to Tarantino, I would, I would, I don't know if I would ever have thought about that, but it's so true. Yeah. Is like the focus and love for a character and letting them sort of follow their own path and just yeah. being guided by what they what they need. Um, and yeah. his characters are so strong, like Tarantino yes. characters. Yeah. They're just they're just so interesting. They're so yeah. interesting. I just want to listen to, and which is why the talking, which is there's a lot of talking yeah. in Tarantino's movies yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like the talking is just like I just can't get enough of it because the characters right. are just so they're delicious. Yeah. They're just yeah. delicious. Yeah, it's great that people are really enjoying this because it is like a very weird quiet movie. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a weird film, but it's also like a very quiet film. There's yeah. no like. I mean, the real accent to be had on this movie, you know, like, it's very, like, yeah. the drama, very, like, you know, yeah, it's interesting. Drama, so. It's interesting because it's definitely not exciting, but at the same time, you're at the edge of your seat the whole time well, you're watching it. Yeah. Great that's writing. people like it. Really, yeah, really good writing, writing, really good characters, really, like, you know the characters who walk, walk through the performances are amazing, too. That help a lot, too. Those two actors oh, yeah. are incredible. But, all right, that was three. Was that was my three. Alright, last three is nope. Whoop. Nope. This movie's uh yeah. you know, I keep telling around this. This movie's a masterpiece. I think this movie's legitimately like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kinda of perfect. Like and I think a lot of like this is a movie that I never would have came out in the summer. Very divisive among fans. It's critically acclaimed, but yeah. Among, which I get, you know, I totally get. But as time goes on, I, I just see more and more people talking about it. It's still in collective consciousness. People are still talking about it. Because this is, I think, Jordan Peele's most fascinating movies are good. And I think it is endlessly layered. Like, he made something that is so, like, just so rewatchable, first of all. I've seen this movie, like, four times. Since they put it on uh, Peacock, and watched it just twice. It's it's like I'm doing cleaning the apartment or whatever and just put it on. It just yeah. walks. Because it's, I think it's so, I, each time I watch it, I discover something new about it. Yeah. Every single time. Like, and it blows me away, like, each time I'm seeing it, it's just like, there's a whole new dynamic to the character, a whole new um, subplot or theme that I just wasn't really aware of the first time or, or the second time even. Like, I think that this is going to get out as, like, one of his best films and also one of the most, like, interesting big-budget blockbusters of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that this movie, like Babylon and, like, like some of these things, it, it goes for it. And it attempts to, um, you know, say something with this big budget and this big idea 
that this original filmmaker is trying to push, you know? And I think that he, Jordan Peele, achieved something that is uh, really remarkable and has this, um, you know, amazing themes about, you know, grief, spectacle, um, like, celebrity, uh, like, so many incredible, like, profound things that are so ingrained in the story and don't feel hand-fisted, don't feel, uh, like, that, that was a big problem when the people came, the people didn't even know, there were, like, legitimately people, smart people that were adults that legitimately thought this movie was shallow and had nothing to it. Yeah. Which is unbelievable because that is the most wrong thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's crazy because this movie is so, it, it treats the audience like they're humans and smart people that they, um, that it's not like Get Out of Us because I both fucking love it. The, the, the point of the theme is very clear in both those films, and as they should be. But this film works in such a different way than both those films. It asks you to engage with it, and asks you to ask these questions about what the hell does that Gordy suit mean? Who mm-hmm. the hell is Stephen Yeun's character? What, what does he have to do at all with the story? But when you start actually, you know, sit down and get the thumb out of your ass and actually, like, use your, <laughs> use your brain and think about things will connect and it will blow your mind. This movie is like so well crafted and just like I said, each time I watch this I just am stunned by how fun this movie is, how scary at times this movie is, um, how funny the movie is, and like how um, just intelligent this movie is and it doesn't it doesn't spoon feed a, a lick of information to the audience. It's pretty pretty incredible. There's no scene in this movie that is like an exposition scene or anything. It is really just allowing the audience to envelop them in this world and these characters and there's nothing more that I want in a movie like that. Where it's like it's like I want to investigate it. I keep going back to investigate it. I think it's I think it might be my favorite Jordan Peele movie, which is crazy to say because I fucking love Get Out, but this movie is so goddamn good. Like, yeah. And the yeah, alien man. is so, not to mention, the alien is so creative uh, and different. You ever seen an alien like that in a, in a film? Uh, the way that he takes the idea of a flying saucer and turns it on his head, and the way that he does it is just so genius and smart and, and cool and, uh, and creepy and beautiful. And I, I love it so much. I think it's, I think it's a great movie. I think. Ten years, people will be like, "Remember when Nope came out? Remember how yeah, yeah, amazing yeah, that fucking thing was?" You know, um, yeah. Nope is my number three movie for sure. Th- this is a movie that climbed and climbed and climbed to it. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like, "Yeah, it's maybe like eight. And then yeah. like, I watched more, and it just kept going and going and going up. I was like, "Dude, this is this is a really special movie." I think. But, yeah, yeah. I so uh, my number two is Nope. Um, so. Yes. When uh, I had a very similar experience when I saw it, I I mean I loved the shit yeah. out of it when I saw sure. it, but I didn't realize until when I was making the sh- the, the top ten list, I was just like, oh, I really like yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. really really like this movie. Yeah. 
And I think that this movie, I agree. I think this movie is the perfection of the monster movie film. I think yeah. it's monster movie perfection. And it's yeah. uh, monster movie innovation on top of that. So it's doing something, not just doing the formula, but it's doing the monster movie, adding a shit ton of awesome stuff to it, and just making it so much better. And yeah. has one of the most, one of the best monsters in monster movies of all yeah, time. And really, definitely really cool. the best modern monster movie, hands down best Gee, modern Jeff, monster um yeah. is is just the scariest most effective monster because there's a lot of movies that rival like for me a lot of i love all monster movies usually yeah. but modern monster movies don't rival the monster movies of the old you know the thing no, 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 no. those those, yeah. those classic ones but nope it's a it's a yeah it's a it's a hard to godzilla? come up godzilla yeah godzilla a bunch of unmemorable cgi shit um, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah, like rampage, and, uh, yeah, shit like that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there hasn't been a lot. Yeah, this is definitely a recurring form of like, you know, the, the back to the ambiguity, the, 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 uh, you know, a great monster, you know, rather than like, you know, rehashing like ideas of monsters. It was an original creative. Lobster, and know. i and i and i just i just love that he like it's so crazy that we have this capacity with cgi and yeah. all we make is just angry lizards and monkeys over and over and over again and we just make them like slimy or uh -huh. give them extra Did mouths you just sit or something on King Kong? what well you king, sit on king kong yeah king kong's sick but like king kong's sick but like there's other things not king kong but there's a right. bunch of other no, things that's I, just I, like you're I just get, a I monkey you're just a monkey yeah, but like king jacket is like is like yes this is the kind of exploration that we right. can do this yeah, is yeah, so yeah. cool like yeah. this is this has not been done before this is right. awesome um yeah. so I think I, a lot of people are scared to approach that territory because of cgi almost like things are endless yeah, you know, the possibilities are endless. It's a little overwhelming. I think that's scary for people. Yeah, it's like, all right, let's make a monster that looks like a lizard, and maybe like combine it with, you know, another great monster, another monster is that annihilation with the. Uh, the yes, pig, I do love that monster. Pig, yeah, like, that human, monster's amazing. That was super weird. That's um, a great monster. That's another monster. cool like bloody and CGI and, and practical effects with that one. That was but, another big moment for me. Is this like, oh, there's something here that we yeah, haven't yeah, quite yeah. tapped into yeah. yet. Oh, yeah, Annihilation's yeah. a great example. Yeah. Uh, but so Gene, yeah, like Gene Jagged is like, yeah, you've never seen someone like that. You know? And it's and it, and it just hits the nail. It just hits so perfectly. And I think that it yeah. will be um, like that. Where practical effects now look a little dated to us, even though we, you know, you and I and a lot of people yeah. still love the shit out of them, and I still yeah. think they work awesome yeah. the thing will always right. be awesome for me yeah. uh yeah but like uh, like the way that they did gene jacket and the execution of that yeah. um right. i think is gonna keep it for keep sure. it sick for I a long so. long we, time i think so i mean it can't, can't be right I mean, yeah like, I, I, what, what the fuck has to happen for gene jacket to feel Cheap, like fake, yeah, super weird. I mean, I, I don't know. It just looks so excellent. Um, yeah. so and and not to mention, on top of that, on top of being a great yeah. monster, a great story, yeah. 
the he has this super Jordan Peele is just such a creative writer who we yeah. just he's another writer who we like like Robert Eggers is like you are the modern director and you're one of the best modern directors right now like you and I, I think of Jordan Peele and Robert Eggers oh, like sure, up yeah. there yeah. and the Daniels now too yeah. like those are the guys that Ari like Aster, I'm like yeah. yeah Ari Aster yeah those are all the guys that I'm like these are the new masters all the right millennials we're the Jack Z guys yeah and we're so the Jack Z <laughs> And I love, I love, and, and Jordan Peele has the great capacity of being a writer, but also having, like, revealing this amazing talent and vision for yeah. movies. You know, he yeah. has the movies in his head, and I'm so glad he's making them. I'm so, so glad because I agree yeah. that just Nope is just, it's just one of the best executed films, and it feels yeah. like it was made by a film fan. Which is so great to see. Well, right, a, yeah, he is a film player. He's a fucking nerd. You know, he's a fucking guy, fanatic. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, he's a, like, like, I just, like, it's one of those things that I just, I think it's so interesting, like, when this movie came out, like, people were so, like, perplexed by it. Which is really, I just, like. It is funny. I just thought that was so interesting, because it is, it's. It was almost like too smart for people. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, and then like, but I think a lot people are caught on now. But I think it, when it initially came out, people were going to see it. It's, I think they were not caught off guard on how much it wanted you to like, you know, like investigate the story. And if you did, you found the fucking gold mine of fucking knowledge and wealth. You know, right. And, yeah, and because to say, you know. On the surface, uh, I think it's that it can, you can play just as a really strong, yes. action-driven, great cause and effect monster movie. Right. But the subtext of this is 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 yeah. has such depth. It has That's such what intense depth. Back to it, is the subtext to it because it is re- it's actually really fun. And, you know the fucking you know the the whole third act of the film. Right when, you know, Jupiter's, uh, you know, the, the theme park gets sucked up by a jean jacket. From then on, it's just a fucking thrill, thrill ride, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but the subtext of it keeps bringing me back to it. And keeps wanting me to revisit it because I just, like, think there's a lot of shit that they put into the movie that I think requires repeat viewings. It begs the audience to, to go back and, and revisit also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, really interesting how he the, – the, the subtext isn't presented through words a lot of the time. It's really interesting how he does it because the main character yeah. who – I mean, that actor, dude, they, is – He's, he's – yeah. he, and in this movie, in Nope, he really, like, transmutes shit through just the way he – his expression, yeah. his body language, and the, the I meaning. I love him, but in this movie, I was like – He's he's special because yeah. they're they're like he has one like of the that movie things. presence. Yeah, and without saying anything. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing that like is like really that's the hardest thing for an actor to do. Yeah, is like to show the best actors. Uh, like I just watched, you know, the last one last night, Pedro Pascal is another really great actor where he could basically look into the camera and then you can read a thousand fucking things on his face at once, you know, without saying a word. And uh, Daniel Kaluuya has that special quality of an actor, and I think Jordan Peele really tapped into it with this movie. And, like, um, I hope that they do more movies together because I think that he's just a really special actor. And Kiki Palmer is just this 
fucking a, like she's a lightning bolt, you know. She's one of the most charismatic people on the planet. And putting her in this movie, which is such a stroke of genius, you know, she's never really done a movie like this. And, you know, um, directors and people haven't really um, seen her talent yet. But Jordan Peele discovering, almost realizing what she's capable of um, and putting her in this, and Daniel Kaluuya and her have this, like, amazing, just infectious, fun uh, chemistry. It's just, like, it's irresistible. It's hard not to watching it. It's really, yeah. it's really hard not to. And not to mention, on top of that, like, how uh, powerful it is for, like, in a political sense, of being representation for black cinema. Yeah, right. Like, that's the other really yeah. powerful thing about Jordan Peele's career. Yeah. And Nope, too, that it's, like, this traditionally very Hollywood, very white yeah. storyline with right. black right, right, people, right. black stars, is is yeah. really refreshing and exciting. And what know? I like about this movie, too, is, like, I don't know if this is going to come off as, like, but I think he could have easily fallen into something like, for example, let's compare him to M. Night. I think M. Night is a really good example of a filmmaker who, an original filmmaker who made, like, two some would say three great movies, mm-hmm. and then kind of got caught up in this thing of, like, fan expectation and critic expectation that he was the twist guy. Each movie he had yeah, to come yeah. out with had to have this big twist in the twist. movie, and that was led him to his downfall, because if you, that is a horrible thing to put on, a, put on someone when they're yeah. right, trying to write a compelling story, you know? They basically you, you told someone that Whatever story you have to write, you have to fuck it up halfway through. And you have to fucking <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what he did. You know, that's yeah. what he, that's what he did for most of his films. Yeah. And so, like, the village is a great movie. The reason it doesn't work is because there's a twist in it that is completely unnecessary. Yeah. And adds nothing to the story. If he just kept going the way that he was going with that movie, it would have been one of my favorite Night movies. Yeah. But because he had to fucking do this thing, it's like. Jordan Peele, he easily could have fallen into this filmmaker of, I gotta make films about black black people or black culture or black excellence in a way. And I think he is so smart in the way that he knows that to do that, to actually, you know, represent black people and represent black culture in, a, in popular culture, you can't make movies literally directly about you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That was That's a genius what thing. is so cool about it. It's that it's just they're black characters, black stars in this movie, but it's a it's a normal monster movie about spectacle and saying all these other things. And obviously there are some subtextual things going on with like this black owned ranch, you know, Hollywood institution that you know, that's you can read into that. And there's a lot of, you know, things you can read into that with the story. Um, yeah, I totally but it's agree. Not I, I totally agree. Like us and um, and, uh, and get out, which were very much about like almost like about the black experience, you know, uh, which are which was great. But it was so awesome to see him like, okay, now I'm at this point where I can kind of do anything. But and I'm and I'm sure he'll tell you this: not one of his movies will star a white person. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's. And I, I know that he's full on that and I am so that is just like that to me is like so much more exciting than a filmmaker almost like feeling obligated to tell these yeah. like you know what I mean like these it's just like dude to make it normalized you just gotta fucking do whatever you want yeah you just put 
like, you know, like, just tell a story. You know, don't feel obligated that you have to put, you know, these, because of audience expectations and people know who you are. And I think that's one of the reasons why don't going to do so well in, in terms of the, of the fan response. If you yeah, know, yeah. Think people are expecting something different. And he said, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to conform to whatever you think I'm going to do. Yeah, I but think that's a... is why he's one of the most exciting filmmakers around Which, right yeah, now. which, you know, it's kind of like similar you to don't Robert know what he's going to do. Right. Really like, don't. What's like, with like Robert Eggers and the Northman kind of solidified yeah. this? Like, oh, he's really pushing, you know, for yeah. film. You know, he's pushing for film. And, and like, I like M. Night. I'm excited for his new movie, you know, but I kind of, there's, I know why I'm excited. I'm like, I want to see the dumb twist, yeah. you know? Yeah, but yeah. it's, it's like, I like his films too, but it's like, this guy, I, I'd much rather have a filmmaker where you literally, when you walk into a Jordan Quill movie, you do not know what you're going to see. Yeah. And which is so exciting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's so yeah. rare in this day and age. Like, it's yeah. really, really rare. A real a real ass movie maker, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah like on a big scale that is like actually like getting these big cool ideas made. You know, it's like fucking there there's there's like a handful of them right now. And so it's like it's you gotta appreciate while he's here, you know? Yeah. Um and so, so number two for me. Is After Sun. Uh, nice. Amazing film. Fucking love this film. So poetic, so beautiful, so nuanced, uh, personal. Um, Strong movie. And, um, just uh, a really, uh, yeah, just ripped my fucking heart out of my fucking chest. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like, I hadn't really felt that way in a long time after shooting the movie. It was like, it was very, like, disorienting in a way who's like oh my god like cause I've never seen something so like uh, like in a long time that was so almost like we weren't supposed to be watching this movie like yeah. it, it feels so personal and like authentic to Charlotte Wells childhood and um, if you read about this movie it's very very um, very accurate um, she's released pictures of her dad her on the station that the movie is based on, and it just this movie deals with memory and this idea of VHS uh, tapes and home footage and like one of the most creative and interesting ways I've, I've seen that done in a movie. Yeah, um, and it was exciting because when we live in this age where with home videos and even now you know, more so with iPhones and the way that people are capturing almost every moment. Of their child's childhood or something like that, like using that type of footage and putting new meaning onto it, new context for it through uh, what the story ultimately is about, I thought was like so incredibly powerful and like moving. Um, and it made me think about like obviously my own childhood, when you think about my parents, when you think about like, you know, looking at your parents is like almost like humans like this movie is really about like a young girl realizing who her father is and realizing like that he's a real human he's a real three-dimensional person it's not just like this perfect when you grow up, you're like their parents are awesome they're great they're good parents right they're great they they take care of me they're, they're yeah. perfect they're Give perfect what's that to like yeah you know <laughs> but this movie looks at it in like this really nuanced and beautiful way 
and um, really heartbreaking way, but ultimately really cathartic and um, just satisfying. Like, I love things like this. Like, this is like, when a film like this works, it just, it just reminds me of, like, what cinema could, like, actually do. Because, you know, you have, like, I love genre films. I love, like, big budget, you know, like, big budget things. Also, like, uh, things that are, you know, based on, like, an action movie or a horror movie or, you know, that are designed to put you on a ride. But this movie, like, really is trying to get to the truth about the human existence. That is, like, the goal of this film. And really, like, trying to get down to this, um, this mystery, this problem of, like, of this depression and generational depression and the filmmaker literally like almost working through these emotions through uh kind of similar to the film is like reliving her childhood and putting it on cinema for other people to see and um i just i i couldn't believe how good this movie was and like it's it's one of those films that like just kind of sneaks up on me like i kind of was just hearing that it was great from like festivals and stuff and i was really like taken aback by how also like experimental and like interesting some of the choices are in this movie and i can totally see i know when you reviewed it like there are things about the film that didn't connect to you maybe like as you were watching it mm-hmm. and to me like I, I totally understand that but i i love those choices i love those like and like you can you know that's a that's a discussion that we have like mm-hmm. do those choices you know work for you or they you know detract from the yeah, experience right, right. Of, of the film and like to me like i love that a filmmaker is even willing to even do that like willing to because this easily could have just been a movie that I'm, you know this this type of film has been made like hundreds of times a movie that a father and a daughter childhood but having these this experimental almost like abstract poetic way of telling the story through memory was so unique and made this movie feel so much bigger than it actually is and stand out amongst all these other films that uh, attempt to do what this film is doing yeah and, yeah uh, i just think it's like a really really unique and special film that um if, if you like French New Wave things and Agnes Warda and Truffaut and Slice of Life poetic things, like, you gotta see this. I mean, I think this is one of the best movies made of that made in a long time and, like, something that really hit me super hard. And, uh, like, you, you or, uh, like, a few of my friends, like, you and some of my friends, they really liked it, but they weren't, you know, they didn't, it, it didn't hit them like a fucking truck hit them. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, it could have, it's not like uh, the, our number one movie, which I'm sure we have the same number one. It's not like yes. the number <laughs> one movie where you most likely will get hit. feel like you got hit by a car. Um, but this movie, like, if it works for you, it's, it's going really to really hit. And, um, yeah, I think that this is so special. But, um, yeah, yeah. I'm number two. After After Sun uh, was it, it was really cool to see a, a movie made in today times like the French New Wave, and it's yeah. a really different mindset of making movies because it's it's instead of kind of working from trying to execute a vision or trying to 
like tell all of the pieces in the story accurately. Yeah. It really feels like she just kind of went out and was trying to discover something more like a documentary where right. she was just kind of trying to compile footage, gather information, put it all together. And then yeah. in the editing room, really just sculpt something, try to sculpt it into something. Um, and I love the editing because it's very, um, it's not, it's not, it's not plot focused at all. You know, it's not plot focused yeah. as in first we need to relay this information, then this information. It's like, it's yeah. very, it's much more about montage, you know, and seeing yeah. that their lives through these series of events and connecting a meaning through their montage. Right. And there's some moments where, it there's the, the way that they when they interject certain scenes like when the father runs to the beach at night you know and in a in a fit of depression or yeah. the way that the the ending kind of works and the and the dance party and like yeah. that David that David the Bowie musical yeah. moment yeah. like all of those right. things are um, I I love that that experimentation yeah. with sculpting and molding with right. the with the with with the film. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely it's definitely slow, I think. And sometimes you um, I spent too much of my watch time, I think, trying to figure out what they were what was tr what she was trying to do. You totally know, understand that, and yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's better to just try to let go and just like, you know, you just have to experience this and just kind of see what comes from it after. Yeah. after you go through it. The, the I think a lot of people like it's interesting to see like because even like I felt like I felt kind of similar moonlight like they're they're they're. The first new way that, like, this type of making a movie is kind of coming back uh, kind of pretty strongly with films like A24 kind of pushing that, companies like A24, like, curating and putting these things in theaters that are pushing that, are bringing back this, like, almost experimentation of, like, this almost, like, poetic and abstract filmmaking that was, you know, the first new way that, like, things, you know, the 60s and the 70s were trying to do experiment with editing and, and things like that and it's like interesting to see that influence like in a modern context you know um and her using like actual home like home footage in a way that was like really really smart and just like uh like maybe it's like I, my experience watching this was like and i totally understand that works like where is this going yeah like right. you want you want to feel like the film is going somewhere. But for me, it was like, I was like, I was so, like, into these characters and their relationship. And, like, and it's not just that this film, this film says a lot. There's a lot of things about this film that are, that are like, thematically that are really interesting. It's not just about, like, looking at memory and looking at, like, what, um, you know, who your dad is. It's, like, also the way... Uh, girl on the film is like experiencing uh, adult life and also uh, older kid life and how she's, it's a coming of age movie in that way too and so there's a lot of like layers to this series of montage of this like vacation um, that I think could like really make the gears turn in your brain um, but I totally get that and like I think for me it was kind of just like I really, I was, like, anticipating it almost. I was, like, I was, like, really curious of, like, how they're going to end it. Yeah. It didn't bother me at all, where I was, like, I, I want, I always, like, I, I want it to go somewhere, and, like, I want it to, like, take me somewhere, and I, and I believed in the film that it would go somewhere, and it fucking, it did for me. The last shot fucking, fucking, like, 
fucking strong. Yeah, so, I think like, I think when you watched it, you did a really good job. It sounds like you did a really good job just watching it in the moment, just moment by moment, yeah, scene yeah, by scene. But that's what this is. It's a movie that is it begs you to experience each moment because that's she's reliving each moment, um, and so it's important to like. Um, do that. I'm like, yeah, this isn't for everyone. It's not. Like, it's, it's not like, you know, yeah. it could be boring, man. Yeah, I, I never would be like, oh, you found after song boring? Like, yeah, of course you do. That's yeah. completely it's one of It's one of those movies which is, it's, it's very, you know, liking, I think you could be labeled as being pretentious for liking this movie, but the reality I is, is that... I will you in the fucking mouth <laughs> if you call me pretentious for liking but, After Sun. But the value of After Sun is, is, is just different than... Because most people just don't... If you like, if you just like cinema, if you like cinematography and photography yeah. and the work of cinema, then these kinds of movies become really interesting because it's a new layer of what it can do. Yeah. And most people just, you know, like it as a as a form of storytelling. That's yeah. what people like. And yeah. After Sun is way less focused on storytelling yeah. and more on like storytelling and more on like story experience and yeah. character moments through cinematic yeah. medium. Um, right. So I, I'm I was really into that for yeah. I'm with you I'm into that for yeah. from that perspective but a lot of people just don't you know, again saying this pretentiously yeah. but just don't have the palate for enjoying yeah. movies like that or don't yeah. have quite the capacity or don't even know how to watch a movie and like also that. like I don't even know I don't fucking care I like it I don't care what I yeah that's like, enough I think it's a yeah I who think cares it's like a beautiful movie I find you Charlotte Welsh I'm like crying tell her that she's perfect movie's <laughs> amazing. Um, it is right. fucking beautiful, undoubtedly. For, but yeah. for a number one movie, it's definitely it's everything everywhere all at once, right? Mine was Shrek too. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> oh actually, wait. Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, it's everything everywhere at yeah. once. There's no question about it. Yeah, I will say, though, I will say, I will say, yeah. it wasn't definitive for me. I definitely, I definitely wavered. It was definitely like top five, <laughs> but definitely wavered. Yeah, this is like. You know, this was one of those, like, earth-shattering. And to the point, I will be honest, it's kind of become a little annoying. It's become, like, the thing that everybody's just... I see a fucking TikTok every goddamn day or tweet about how good this movie is. And now, like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. Destroyed me. Like, it's set up, okay? Great. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it has that phenomenon where it's, like, it's a great movie. And I'm glad that it connected with normal audiences that don't watch a lot of films. You know, it's great that, you know, it's connecting with, you know, the mass populace. That's fucking cool. Yeah, but it's, it's having a... It's gotten to the point, which which I agree is good, but it's gotten to, like, the Pink Floyd, Tarantino yeah. kind of fan base effect. Where and it's, it's just like, like... And I think it's cringier to do with everything everywhere of, like, of what it is. Because it's, like, it's, it's really weird and great and beautiful, but it's so, like... I don't know. I think it's really interesting that it has that kind of response because it is such a sincere, like, have your heart on its sleeve movie that I would I would assume that actually there'd be more cynics in this movie and more like it'd be more like look at it through a cynical lens. And I'm sure that there, are, you know, article, articles and people that I'm talking about, you know, how like almost. Um, because this movie is very hopeful, one of the most optimistic movies ever made. Um, and and you know, if you're a cynical person, you might be like, "This movie is so like, you know, optimistic about the future." Like, 
so lame, you know, like, so, like, over-the-top emotional, you know, so I can see that, but it's weird that, it's interesting that, like, it's interesting that this movie that is so, like, sincere and optimistic that people are loving it, because usually, like, I don't know, big, like, lots of people, like, I love this movie, there's actually, like, Forrest Gump, I think this might oh. be the Forrest Gump of, uh, of uh, the 2020s. Weird. We go, well, think about it. Yeah. Forrest Gump is this movie. I'm not saying it's nothing like Forrest Gump, but what I'm saying I, is I, like. I kind of get what you're saying. Forrest Gump is like what people go, what people love about it, like fucking love about it. They're going to like call it movie. But also what people really don't like about it is like from the other side is like it's a very like wholesome and like, like, uh, purposefully optimistic about the world yeah. and about humans, you know? And I'm not a cynical person at all. So, like, a movie like this, Everything Everywhere All Once, connected with me so deeply and so... It moves me. It moves me every time I watch it. And I do... I have the same feelings of optimism and I have the same feelings for humanity that the Daniels have and... Um, and what they express through the spell. The spell is like this crazy big opus of many different things, but ultimately I think it tries to understand um, what needs to happen with humans on the planet. And they come to the conclusion they gotta be kind. We gotta be kind to one another, you know? Yeah. And I can see someone being like, really? It's a little yeah. corny, isn't it? Right, right, you know? right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, yeah. But this is... This is a really awesome, really special film. I mean, clearly, every, everybody who's seen it just has this feeling where, like, I've never seen something like that before. Not only have I never seen something like that before, I've never been so caught off guard by what this film ultimately becomes. Like, I think a lot of my friends who love this movie and a lot of people who've seen it, they all tell me, that all people, like, said to me is that, I was so blown away and caught off guard by how the movie, like, how racked up emotionally I was by the end of it. Yeah. Because it's, re-watching it the other night, like, we were here, like, I noticed, like, the first half of this movie, I was like, yeah, the first half really is just, like, The Matrix. Mm -hmm. The first half is, like, (laughs) it is. Like, the first half is The Matrix. And you're like, yeah, this is really entertaining and cool and, like, sci-fi concepts, but when the Everything Bagel is introduced and joy is introduced like the the thematic underpinnings of the movie get revealed it opens itself up to an experience that you will never that you never had before because it it literally it takes the sci-fi element and throws it out the fucking window and it goes that's not what we're doing here because the first half of it is kind of like okay this is kind of like a sci-fi movie like you feel like you're getting the dream of like a sci-fi action movie and then it just goes, no, this is a family drama about the existential life of being a human. And and I think that's what really caught people off guard about this film. And, like, I think is what makes it so fucking genius is that it is operating on a level that uh, is what, what's popular right now, big action movies, these big multiverse, you know, action yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. And operating within that formula and making something that is so, like, a family drama caught up in this big multiverse epic 
actually. And that, I think that's why it's led to success and why people love it so much. Yeah. And um, it's just a perfect storm, perfect timing in a movie like this to come out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think – so the reason Everything Everywhere at Once is my number one pick and potentially one of – and no, not potentially. It has become one of my favorite yeah. Oh, yeah, movies too, of yeah. all time. Yeah, totally. Um, is that yeah. I think every element of the filmmaking is perfection. I think it's yeah. really, really – and innovative, perfect, yeah. perfective, right. perfection, innovative perfection, I think, yeah. every stage of it. Um, the writing is so – it's so good yeah. and and the reasons that you said because it, it sets it up really well and then it flips yeah. it in a really great way right. that um is very you know core to the human core to the archetypes but yeah. so new and just what we need right now yeah um the filmmaking the way they they edit they they edit yeah, it the, perfectly the, the experimentation especially on the film too is like that's another thing that like blows me away about how popular she has gotten because it's very experimental. There's there's ideas and filmmaking techniques that you really haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, like, this movie operates in this crazy way in the third act where it's flipping from uh, universe to universe to universe to different versions of four to five to maybe even six different versions of a character, and it all makes sense, and it's all, like, fucking like you follow it which is fucking unbelievable that 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 that's something like that i don't even think we'll see a movie that works like that again i really i i think it's going to stand on its own where nothing else works like this movie like it's it's so it's honestly astonishing that it worked like on paper you'd be like how the fuck is that not going to be jumbled or confusing or like disorienting but they somehow made it work and that's like that always blows my mind when i see this i'm like dude the fact that they pulled that off yeah is just remarkable and the fact that it was so easy to step off the line and just and that if they step off the line it would be one of the most jumbled and confusing messes ever created yeah like and the fact that they like were all told this fucking line and nailed it perfectly it's like oh my god like what this movie should be is like an amazing experiment that maybe that feels messy you know this isn't it should be but the fact that it doesn't feel that way is remarkable yeah 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 i know it's it's a huge it's a huge 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 and i think even the daniels will tell you yeah i don't know how we did this yeah yeah it's like it's kind of like just this cosmic like almost like perfect amalgamation of like everything going on also like at the time and like what movies are popular now and like just this perfect colliding of, of, of cultural events that made this movie happen you know? yeah what, what really wild i and on the topic of well before i get into that but the other thing i think that's really huge about this film um that uh i think really makes it as genius as it is is the music and the sound design yeah which is a criticism maybe i would have not of the film but of of the experience of it is that when you don't watch this movie in a theater you lose a lot you lose a lot in the home experience of this because the sound i like i remember the first two theater the two times i watched this in theaters was i've seen this 
four times now, and the yeah. two times I thought in theaters are they're they're they do not compare they're to yeah, the yeah. theater the the, yeah. the home experience right. it's not even close and i right. rare like that ha- that's true for a lot of things i see in theaters yeah but this is dramatic this is yeah, really yeah, yeah. really dramatic about how much yeah. information i felt was lost and that and that just goes to show because i think the music is yeah, just brilliant yeah, it's really, i think really it's good. brilliant sunlux's a band yeah. that i i love sunlux's music yeah. and i think that they're they're some of their they have a couple of like yeah, an that's album really, that's like really really important to me personally really and the score Th- this uh, got a lot of like two favorite scores yeah this year for sure but i love i so i think the score is another aspect yeah, of this that's so power and so frequently is that undervalued in movie making yeah. so frequently the, the, do we get stock classical bullshit that, to go that over that on like criticisms of the movie like i do agree with that i did think that like i think i've seen this yeah like once I saw it three times in theaters once at home when I watched it with you guys, and, like, um, yeah, I definitely was like, oh, wow, you lose a lot of, like, because this movie spatially does a lot of interesting things, like, spatially with audio, and like, people talk, you know, like, it does this really, really cool sound design, really unique sound design, kind of right on the, like, what, kind of, like, what the Saki Brothers are kind of doing with, yeah. like, multi track, you know, like, crazy things, like, that doesn't work nearly as well as a home the movie's still great but uh doesn't take away that much but in a theater like watching uncut jokes in a theater i was like i i feel like i don't even know how they're doing this yeah like, i feel like i'm here. how do i how the fuck do i hear the dialogue like how do i how do i understanding what's being said yeah um but uh there are parts of this movie that feel that way too but another person that i could i kind of have a little bit is that like, and why I think, like, I know a lot of older people don't love this movie, and this I completely understand, is this is a chaotic-ass movie. This movie's kind of born off the internet, you know, with people, with with TikTok, and, like, and that's kind of part of why I think this film's genius, is that it actually is taking over the internet experience. There's a lot of have been said about this part of the movie, but the, it's almost like the internet experience into a movie. Like, like this... Everything thrown at you at what like you know it feels like everything everywhere all at once where you literally have everything everywhere all at once on your fucking phone yeah and like at your fingertips and I think that that idea and that feeling that young people especially Gen Z and millennials feel is in this movie and I think that that connects on a subconscious subconscious and uh, deep level you know maybe not even think about it like you know like I think that's we're just younger people are just used to chaotic, fast moving, like you know, meme editing and like you know, crazy shit. So it makes sense that younger people can follow this movie very easily. But my dad watching it, he he had to pause it a few times because he was because it's fast. Like the last yeah. like hour of this movie is asking a lot of, of the audience, and it's asking um, a lot of the audience to really catch up to what's been being said. I think it works really geniusly, but that is a criticism that I full, full send. I full, like, yeah, dude, I completely understand that. I can't explain to me why it works for me, but I totally can see, like, 
being lost and being like, oh, my God, slow down, man. Like, yeah. slow down, you so know? On, so on that topic, first of all, what astounds me is that – so that the speed of which they tell reminds me of what we're talking yeah. about, Park Chan-wook and right. uh, or Wes Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but the speed – but the thing that astounds me is how this is their second film. And they've yeah. reached that level of competency and movie making yeah, is kind wild. of is kind of frightening. And maybe yeah. this is the fluke. Maybe this is a fluke. But it doesn't yeah. feel like a fucking fluke to me because yeah. there's too many miracles that happen in this movie for right. them not. They have to take some responsibility for this. Oh, and yeah, what's really course, yeah. and what's really interesting well, about seeing what's so, seeing what's seeing what's seeing like them in their environment when they're now they're talking to like big wigs, right? It's like pretty funny big, to see. Big, yeah. But they're like these goofy guys, you yeah, know, and, and so they're. They're, they're yeah. still kind of like insecure about it. They're going to be a lot of farting dead corks. Right. They might look best director at the Academy Awards. Right. But what's so interesting well, is that well, all these masters are looking at it there and they're like, you, they're like, the you know what yeah. you're doing. Right. They're like, yeah. da- the Daniels, they're like from these, like Ryan Johnson was having yeah. conversations from him. It's like, you yeah. guys obviously know what you're doing. Yeah. They're like, what the? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's tons of filmmakers and big fellas that have, have been blown away by this movie. Like, yeah. Of what the film does, and like, I think it really is like, I mean, I think the Daniels will tell you that it is miraculous. There is a part of it that yeah, it's for like, sure. it just worked. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's just like we had this silly, crazy idea, we went for it, we had the confidence, you know, to, to go for it. But they it fucking worked. did it. Yeah. They did it, and it, and it's amazing. And, but um, I, I am so curious of what their, their future holds. I know, me too. I, think, I just think that this film is so. You know, and, like, I'm not going to be this, like, annoying-ass guy that every movie they make after this is going to be compared to this movie. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to walk in and... Whatever. I'm not going to compare everything they make after this to this, but it's going to be hard to cop this movie um, because it really does work, like, like, unlike almost any movie ever made. Yeah. Like, the only movie close... To the spell that I could compare it to is every uh, a kernel of some kind of the spot line, which I saw that Daniel Sider, his favorite movie, is a kernel of some kind of the spot line. But I was Everything like, makes sense. There you go. I was like, yeah, I get it. The spell degree is the closest spellmaker that I could um, compare the Daniels to. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm so curious to see like what the fuck they do from here on. Cause I yeah. know they have a they have a fine picture deal at Universal. They're gonna be making like big, big. They're gonna attempt at making you know big, bigger budget things like a Jordan Peele, for example. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes, and uh, it could be pretty fucking. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll make some pretty fucking awesome shit. I'm I'm um, very excited about it because yeah. well, the, the last thing I want to say talk about with this film is tie it to this idea of the death of Hollywood. And to me... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one to talk about. Everything, everywhere at once. I think this is the future of cinema. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it, 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 it hits the zeitgeist of what the new generation who are moving in... Because we're at this stage right now where we still have the old generation right. of filmmakers of everybody still yeah. kind of working and running the show. But right. they're on this... Like we're talking about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's yeah. moving out. A new right. guy's going to fill in. And that right. new guy is going to have the same philosophy as the Daniels. And the Daniels, we're going. I think we're going to look back at every. Which is one of the thesis of Babylon. Yeah, it's like 
you don't need anything. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think that the Daniels, this movie is going is going to when we look back at this, this is the turning point. This is when sure. it's going to start happening. Yeah, and I think even more so, it's like it, what they prove is that you can make something on a small budget that feels like absolutely a big budget movie, and you know that's like that's not easy to do. Like they're pretty like I mean they're extremely talented, but I'm sure that there's tons of filmmakers out there that could do the same thing. And what's cool is that this like good those filmmakers. And studios will look at this movie and have, you know, put their faith in some filmmakers that maybe could try it, you know, and, and it might get more ambitious, small budget, big things made like this, you know, yeah. which I, is really exciting. I mean, what's what's awesome about this is that what, as influential, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, the greats are always going to be influential yeah. to this, this cinema. Oh, yeah. But the people who are emerging right now, the masters who are yeah. emerging right now, Jordan Peele, Robert yeah. Eggers, the Daniels yeah. are the people who are going to be the most significant in yeah. in in establishing what the next generation yeah, of filmmakers yeah, of are going to be. Yeah, yeah, because well, when yeah, if yeah. like you and I, other people our age are going to yeah. make stuff, like I'm for me for the millennial filmmakers. Because because there's yeah. something important about that, like the fact that we were here when everything yeah, at once yeah, first came saw. out. Is, yeah, is so so important and i yeah. think the world we're seeing the impact of the world's having with this movie right. on it right. so that influence that this film has in addition to just being a yeah. genuinely perfect film in yeah. most capacities right. that's the other thing that's really exciting to me is that yeah. and that's when we're, we, when yeah, we're right. talking about our classic podcast yeah. this film checks all the boxes for me yeah, so, this is gonna be this is gonna be a classic film for I, sure. I, I, I and, have. Uh, it would yeah, be astonishing think, to me if this film is if this film is forgotten or dismissed or whatever. I just think it's already solidified itself as being. The only way that I can see it being like almost forgotten, it's, it's gonna be great no matter what. But I don't really know to be honest because it's not like there's things in this movie that could be dated. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure like. You know, it might not, like, maybe in five years, it might not be, like, as celebrated as it is right now. Yeah. But, um, it just, I, think because, you know, I could see that what, what maybe could plummet, root, tarnish its reputation is yeah. if the Daniels make five god-awful films. Which is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So like, but, like, it's like, um, uh, what I can also see is, like, I, I will say that, like, as much as, as great as this movie is, if we're talking about, why it's had this big cultural phenomenon. This is great. But this was, I don't think that there's a better movie ever to come out after the pandemic. Yeah. Because I feel like that this, it was crazy. This is why the miraculous nature of this movie, they made this before the fucking pandemic. Yeah. The last day shooting on this movie was March of 2020. That's crazy. And so they obviously were not, they, they were making this movie on the, about the chaos of the internet. That's what they said. They said, we want to make this movie on the chaos, about the chaos of the internet and the chaos of modern world. But they weren't expecting that there's going to be two years of absolute fucking madness, you know, in the world, you know? And all of these feelings, all of these, you know, feelings of existential dread and, and people dying of, like, how to, you know, all these especially in America with all the political stuff going on in 2020 and 2021 and, you know the, the, the two of the, cra- the craziest years I've been alive oh my <laughs> like unbelievable and still kind of recovering from it to be yeah. honest with you 
this is the, I mean, I couldn't even imagine a better movie to come out because it's literally about chaos and coming out on the other end, feeling you gotta hold on to the ones you love, you gotta be kind, and we, we'll get through this together, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, like, that is, like, I mean, you couldn't have planned that, for, yeah. you know? Like, I would love, just as an experiment, I would love to see if this was released in, like, late 2019. Yeah, It would still be great, you know? It would still be great. But would it be, you know what I mean? Would it, would it explode like the way it did? I, mean, I think know? you're, I think you're tapping onto something there because that's yeah. kind of the, that's another miraculous thing, which is like this, which is miraculous. But because, but all w- classic movies have that. All yeah. classic movies like have a, you know, there's a lot of great movies in the world, but classic movies there, there's always something cultural or something. It's, it's become like a real classic. It always has to be like. A lot of things have to align for that to happen, you know. But, but um, yeah, and what's really interesting about the what's the thing that's interesting about the Daniels that's so exciting is that it is miraculous that it happened like that. But you can you can almost feel it where it's just like these guys got the key to the universal flow right now. Like they are yeah. in it. They're yeah. in it. They're right. in it. They're in the stream. They're moving along. They're not yeah. resisting. They got a nice strong boat, and I can't fucking <laughs> wait to see where they're they're gonna take us. Really cool. It's going to be really interesting, and, like, I do not want to be that right now, I'll tell you that, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Pressure. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Pressure we'll see. to follow that up, but, well, but hopefully, I think they'll probably take a long time to make a new one. I, I, I hope think, they do. I think take, that, like, all the time in the world. Yeah, um, seriously. I, th- I think that they're going to be, I, I imagine that they're going to be pretty brave like Jordan Peele's going to be, because that's how they've always been with their whole career, and it just depends okay. on, on, so I, I, mean, I, I have a lot of faith. If they win Oscars? That's a whole other level of like, oh fuck. Yeah, know? that's like, that'd be but, crazy. But yeah, it, hey, I don't know them. I don't know them personally. They seem like funny guys, cool guys. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know if the pressure's getting to them. I hope not. But yeah, um, I, hope, I, don't know. I hope not either. But Probably this not, is but most yeah, incredible. There's, there's just no question for me about how significant of all yeah. the amazing fucking films we saw this yeah. year. All of all of that top ten. Yeah, it was definitely were amazing. It was definitely movies. the one that was like. Yeah, this was this is my favorite my favorite theater experience. Like, you know, this is the first time too where like I took one of my buddies to see a weird fucking movie that I loved and he was like I think he liked it more than I did. So yeah. it was like it was like uh oh I remember when that happened, I saw it in the opening weekend or whatever and, and like when that happened, I remember like seeing like Justin like good friend, like I've never seen him cry in a movie and I see he walking out, he's teary-eyed, and he's like, I think that might have been one of the best things I've ever seen in my life, and I remember, because I loved it, and I took it, like, the second time, and I loved it. I, I never even thought, I was like, at that moment, I was like, oh, this is, um, this is a special movie. I think it's going to connect with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so that was really, I, I'll never forget that. That was a really interesting moment, you know? Because this is the first thing that I've really experienced since, like, Maybe like Fury Road or like some things where like yes. you feel like you yes. feel like oh my god like yes. okay like yes there's kind of a cultural shift going on right now yeah um, and that's super fucking you know? awesome to be alive oh for something so like cool that. and sometimes like sometimes you can be like confused and like why but this one I totally understand yeah me too yeah yeah, but, yeah. yeah. I'm, um, I'm yeah this it. is a great movie I'm, I'm on sure the boat. <laughs> I'm sure you'd see it yeah. But if you haven't... See it. God <laughs> what damn, the fuck? Dude. Yeah, what the fuck, man? You'll like it. 
And if you don't, please leave a negative review on Letterboxd so I can read it. I love reading negative reviews. Like it's really funny. Eat them up. There's some really funny ones in this movie, like really genuinely hilarious. Um, I'm great. Um, but, um, yeah, man, what a year. What a year in 2022. Movies came back in a big way. Woo. And uh, 2023 looking to be another good year, too. Hopefully there's been some cool Ari Aster uh, Marvel so movies. So excited. That movie looks insane. Yeah. <laughs> I showed Jared the trailer after Midsommar. He's like, you want to see the trailer for his new movie? He's like, yeah. And I played him and the trailer ended. He's like, I have no idea what I just watched. I was like, <laughs> I got right. It looks awesome. He's like, sure. <laughs> so, he's like, what the fuck is that even about? I'm like, dude, I have no idea. But yeah. I can't wait. Looks oh, insane. Yeah. 2022 is going to be great. Well, um, yeah. I guess that, that caps off the That's year. That's it, man. And that caps that off caps Thick off and Butter, too. The Thick and Butter podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you got to the fucking end. Yeah, Oh, Jesus. my God. This is the longest podcast we've ever done. This is a solid three-hour podcast. You're talking about three hours? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have to cut this shit down, baby. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Or is it two parts? Yeah, two-parter. Part oh, one. my God. <laughs> I thought it was, it was like two hours. Holy shit. Yeah, we had we had a lot to say, like we always oh do. Oh, my God. This time we had, we had a lot away. to say. I blown away. I literally thought I was sitting here for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It is dark outside. I know. We've, we've, we've it been was checked. in the daylight, and now it's dark. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a way to end. What a three-hour fucking opus of the... I didn't know what I said. That really was our magnum opus of the podcast. Yeah, I think so. It kind of... It, it was serendipitous, wasn't it? <laughs> it had everything in it. Oh, perfect. Perfect. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. If you got this far. Thank you so and, uh, much. And I hope you come with us on our next venture. Bye-bye. Bye.